Welcome to episode 37 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure podcast. I'm joined by Craig. And Craig, we've got an interesting topic this evening. And uh, I remember you originally saying that you didn't have much to offer mm. when I suggested we were going to discuss every hiking mistake we've ever made. Mm. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> not much <laughs> not to an say. Ad. Nothing to add here. Nothing to add. So it'll just be me telling you about my misfortunes in the wild. Let's play some beautiful music and we'll get back to you. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine merino wool base, mid and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. Yukon Jack is our premium sponsor for this episode. 100 proof and available in numerous sizes and flavors. So you can enjoy smooth Yukon Jack shots no matter what size adventure you're on. Yukon Jack. Only the strong survive. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, how are you, buddy? Hey, Tom. I'm really good. What is new in your world well, don't tell us everything. I don't think people are interested in everything. Uh, everything. Well, I say that every time. I don't think people are interested in everything. Well, no. Have you got anything? Oh, you uh, went hiking. That's big. Yes, People are interested in hiking, I've heard. All right, all right. And uh, some of our listeners are interested in hiking. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's true. So apart from telling you everything I've been doing, I might tell you that I went on a hike. And um, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. You mentioned you were going. And I went. <laughs> yes. And it was great. It was uh, two nights on my own, ah, on my own with no no phone signal, just a quiet little campsite by the creek, mate. I had a great time, to be honest. And nobody else was at the campsite? No one. Oh, that's the best. The best. I didn't see anyone the whole time. Yeah, that's... From when I left the car. That's good. Did yeah. you... um? Did you bother wearing any clothes at all over those three days? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you did? did? Oh, mosquitoes. Of no, course. I, I did this time. It was <laughs> <This> excellent. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I had a fantastic time. We, we, I say we, why am I saying well, we? I don't know. I think Me there's, and there's my you and the person you talked to the whole time that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was really special. Um, having just that, I think the second day when, um, you know, the wake up, but not having to move and just, just chilling out was fantastic. Not having to hike to a new yeah, campsite. That's right. Exactly yeah. That's, right. that's, uh, when you can organize it like that, that's good. That's good. And I think we'll, um, one day we should have a podcast about solo hiking and. Well, it's, uh, hot on the list. It will be because, um, I think 
having that second day of, of yeah, n- no destination. I was worried about it because it's kind of more uh, intense if you if you don't have that that peace of mind. You know what I mean? Like just to be able to fill the space and fill the time. So mm. yeah, I was a little bit concerned that I'd get bored or you know um, just go around about things. But I loved it. It was actually awesome. Yeah. No, I I get that. I think that. Um, the first couple of times I went on solo trips in those, it was in the space. So in the times where I wasn't setting up, uh, my hammock or I wasn't doing this or that, or I wasn't traveling, as you say, where your head starts to fill with, uh, just too much chatter and, um, you overanalyze things. And I've said this before in the podcast where, you realize that you've got nobody to bounce ideas off. Mm-hmm. Oh, should we set up the tent here or there? Mm. And there's literally nobody. So you're having this inner mm. kind of dialogue with yourself. And uh, sometimes that can get away on you. And it, and it did for me. But it doesn't anymore because I've learned to accept uh, where I am. And I obviously chose to be there. Yeah. And for that reason, I can just take it all in. And enjoy where I am, mm-hmm. but I've definitely earlier on in my solo, I was almost going to say in my solo career, like it was, uh, <laughs> in, yeah, in my solo career. But I remember that too, um, being just just challenged by not having anything to do yeah. and having to keep real busy. Yeah, which and... is completely different. If there's one person with you, that's not even an issue because you've got conversation, you've yeah. got company even if you don't say a word yeah but once you remove that other human there's only mm-hmm. your thoughts to contend with that's it and so this time i set up uh, a little hammock chair just beside the creek and read a book i had no cameras to take you know videos like i've done in the past it was just there was nothing to do except just be just be relaxed and and just let the whole day unfold yeah it was great yeah i like that there's been a few hikes, actually, one recently where I didn't take... Uh, well, I did take my GoPro and I didn't get it out because I was just more interested in being kind of present and enjoying where I was instead of trying to capture everything. Um, so, yeah, sorry, to listeners, you don't get to see anything. Yes. <laughs> bad luck. Sometimes I think it's important. Sometimes you just got to have time to yourself, and time to yourself includes time not presenting or not filming or creating a story. Uh, yeah, true. I've definitely felt like I've had um, trips where I've taken cameras and they've been quite stressful. Yeah, that's it. Which is not what I'm there for. No. So, yeah, I've kind of reduced that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. You had a, I don't know if you want to divulge, but you had a bit of a epiphany. Tell, tell us what, what book you were reading. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This it, is funny. Yeah, right. So if you guys listen, it's, it's almost Christmas here right now. And last Christmas, Tom gave me a book and... Um, it it became a, a bit of an issue that I hadn't quite finished it. I just I, it wasn't. I, no, it wasn't an issue with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, 
<laughs> it kept. Um, You're a bad friend. It, yeah, I, t- I did feel a bit that way because um, three times I started this book, the the power of now, which was a tough read for me. I. I, I really now value, I, I'll tell you that I read the whole thing from front to back um, mm. during that solo trip and um, I read into the evening um, in my tent on my own that night and got so much out of it. I really do do love that book now. Now, having said that three false starts because I just felt it was a bit preachy and couldn't, mm. couldn't quite um, connect with it. Uh, even though I did realise there was some truth to it. So, yeah, I'd, um, I'd say that was one of the... the yeah, the best books I've read in a while, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was so happy to hear that you got into it. And there's no better place than out in, in the wilderness mm. like that and by yourself. Like, you weren't interrupted by anything. And to smash out a, a book of that magnitude in one day is pretty impressive. Um, look, it's not an easy read, and I think I said that when I, when I reviewed it. Uh, but coming up later, so I finished uh, another book also by Eckhart Tolle. Both of these were recommended by Dwayne Bannon Harrison from an earlier um, episode who we interviewed and we asked him what his, or I asked him what his top five books were and he he rattled them off and later on I went back and listened to the podcast and wrote them all down and ordered them straight away and I'm on the last book now. I'm uh, two thirds of the way through the last of five that, that right. he gave me the, the list. And I have to say, um, everyone's delivered. It's been incredible. I love that when you you find somebody with similar kind of um, uh, I don't know if wavelengths the right way, but on a similar wavelength, and they give you book recommendations, you can really. Um, Mm. get some great value out of it. Yeah, well, I, I think I didn't quite realise how perfect an opportunity it was to, to read a book about how you, your head talks to, to itself a lot during the day and just to sit there with no one to talk to and, and read that book mm. was, was fantastic. So, yeah, I recommend that guy. You know, Eckhart Tolle's mm. got um, more stuff that I'm going to read now. And um, Yes, yeah. exactly. And like I said to Craig, in, in hindsight, uh I guess I'm going over territory here that I would have in um in the when I talk about the book later anyway and that is it's I wish I had have read uh a new earth oh yeah and I wish I had recommended a new earth or I wish I had bought you a new earth first first but I guess now that you've punched through the power of now you'll you'll understand the fundamentals and you'll fly through a new earth. And yeah. so perhaps it is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will say about his books is the titles just, I think I picked up on what you were saying about um, the titles are kind of, to me, they're a little bit, um, I mean, if it was a, if it was a video, I'd call it clickbait. <laughs> it's kind of, like, it's just a bit over the top. Yeah. Like, if somebody said to me 10 years ago, I want you to read this book called The Power of Now. I say, <laughs> I don't get it. What are you talking about? Like, that sounds like some some stuff I'm probably not interested in. Oh, well, how about A New Earth? I'd go, oh, mate, can you just give yeah. me a book title that says you know, something? Yeah, new. yeah. So I, I, and I'm not, the books are absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm just saying. Don't be put off by the titles. Don't judge a book by its cover. By its title, even. <laughs> That's right. 
No, I did get a little bit thrown by what is this all about and, hmm. you know, what, yeah. Well, it's meant to challenge you and it obviously did. Yeah. And that's why you're having trouble with it in hindsight is it was challenging you so, so confronting that you think, yeah. no, 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 this, I don't agree, I don't agree. But once you kind of accept it, yeah. oh, it's a good journey. I'm not going to talk anymore about books. Okay. Because uh, we'll get to that later. What if, what have you been up to, dude? What have you been I've doing? I've been unbelievably busy. Um, I went for a hike up uh, Northbrook Gorge. Did you? Yes, I did in in the middle of that kind of rainy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. You didn't tell me this, did you? No, no, that's cool. No, no, no. It, it was um, it, well, getting rained on while I was walking. Oh, wow. Uh, levels, water levels were up. Right. I didn't go all the way to the, um, to the main gorge. Okay. I came in from the bottom. I went through that. <clears throat> initial one yeah yeah and then it's like the mini gorge i went yeah. through there such a cool spot eh? <clears throat> oh, it's, so, it's gorgeous so close to home too really for for what it is yeah. that's awesome one thing i will say though and this is um it's gonna be hard for me not to go on a rant uh there's graffiti there oh yeah on the rocks spray painted red paint what, in I that little cave section? Like, mm, yeah, 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 around there. So on the boulder as you come in through the cave yeah. on the other side and on a couple of random rocks. Uh, yeah, right. Just in that one area at probably about six. And I didn't even want to mention it, but uh, it really kind of yeah. was grinding on me and... Um, Oh, it's a tough subject to, to take it out of context, but I don't know. Some of these things I don't want to say. I mean, I'm very open on this podcast, but I'm not going to talk about it. Um, what was written and what what was there, I'm not going to talk about it. I just choose not to for once. Uh, but it did make me think. I'm seriously considering uh, contacting the national parks in that area and just offering um, with perhaps with their advice and or help to go and clean it up because it's mm. I, I just can't explain how much of a pristine area this is yeah and some complete fools have defaced it did it say basil was here by the way no it's not even like i can't even joke about it it's that I'll explain it to you later. No, I don't um, like the sounds of this. It's not good. And what's what's irritating is there's no doubt, and I think we may have had this conversation before, but when you sit down there and you take a minute, make a coffee or whatever and have a snack, there's no doubt that this water course has been and that gorge has been frequented um, mm. by indigenous tribes yeah. for thousands of years. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah, for like sure. Why wouldn't you go there for fish, for um, uh, for crayfish, for eels, uh, for for beautiful crystal clear water, um, for shelter? Just it's all there, yeah. and so um, to to go and to face that is more than just graffiti. It's it's so much worse. It's really bad. Mm. Um, so yeah, it that. I saw it on, I follow a, a hiking page on Facebook. That's a Southeast Queensland hiking sort of thing. Uh, 
just for overseas listeners, that's the general area mm. in, in which we live. And somebody put some beautiful pictures up of their hike there about a month ago. And I saw the graffiti in their pictures. And a lot of people were commenting saying, oh, that's that's horrific. Yeah. But I forgot about it until I walked around the corner and it was clear as day in red paint. I just thought, oh, this is made me feel so sad. So something needs to be done. And I know that, you know, there's ways to get it off, but it, it'd be quite the mission because you don't want to take any chemicals or anything like that. And you don't want to get too abrasive on the rocks either. But, ah, mate, I'm going to move on because I could talk about that for a while. But yeah, anyway, I'm thinking of maybe seeing if there's some way it can be rectified. No, oh, listen, if you need someone to come and help you with it. I appreciate it, mate. I, was, I would definitely be telling you about it. I haven't been there for 12 months at least. And mm. um, I really want to take the kids there. I've been building up to that one. That's the one I want to do. Well, so. maybe we should get down and clean the place up before you go show the yeah. kids because it's a disgrace at the moment. Oh, geez. Oh, uh, that's disappointing. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. I think everyone mm. can get just a little bit of an insight to what, you know, what's important and what's, what's you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, see, anybody listening to this podcast is, is going to feel the same way as we do. But, uh, yeah, it's obvious right. that yeah. the kind of people that are doing that um, aren't aren't appreciating the wilderness like we do. Hmm. Uh, anyway, moving on, moving on. I don't want to dwell on that. Um, such a downer on on a, what was a good hike. I also did a couple of little hikes through the. I speak of it often. The, at the end of my street, the uh, kind of wilderness nature mm-hmm. reserve yep. where I do my trail runs and stuff. Uh, I specifically, it was funny because I was specifically watching the weather radar and waiting. We had a lot of rain here yeah. in our, a lot. Yeah, it's been raining so much. So much. And waterfalls that haven't flowed for a long time are flowing. Creeks that haven't flowed are flowing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I specifically wait until the heavy rain section is just about at my suburb. Yeah. And then I... Did you? Then I go run, running <laughs> down the street and then go for a hike. So I'm just getting saturated while I'm uh, walking through. Very good. And uh, there was one, um, one, one day I just walked down there and I just sat on a log and I was just getting, this rain was just pouring down. Uh, but just in that Australian bushland, it was deadly quiet except for the rain. And I just sat there and... Um, yeah, just did some breathing exercises and just kind of, you know, just took it all in, just looked and, and, uh, it was pretty cool. Like it's not often you just have rain running down your face and, and like literally running into my mouth, I could taste the rain and that, um, sensory experience was way beyond that. If you, if I had worn a rain jacket, you know what I'm saying? Mm, mm. I was very... Um, I don't know, I felt really connected. It was it, good. It, like a number of times I've experienced that. It is a unique experience that you have to acclimatize to that because often when it happens, you, you're not, you don't quite, you're not quite prepared for it. So yeah, we're, we're taught not as from a kid, like get inside, yeah, get your rain jacket on, don't yeah. get wet, you'll get a cold. Like we're told all of these things. Uh, I was there for an hour and a half. 
admittedly it's Australia and it's coming into summer, but still I, I got um, a little mm. bit cold at one point and uh, got moving again and I was wearing um, my blue merino top. I'm not completely stupid. Uh, wearing mm. a wool top like that is going to keep you, like just a T-shirt, but mm. it's going to keep your core warmer than a yeah. cotton T-shirt. No, it just must be, yeah, that's good, mate, just to practice that, mm. just calm during that experience. Yeah, and that, there was some big, big lots of rain came through and I just <laughs> kept sitting there and walked out when I was ready and uh, it was very pleasurable. I took the kids on on another one about half a week later and we, we uh, had, they all got soaked as well. <laughs> we had that like three days there where it was just constant on yes. and off heavy rain. Hey, yes. And, and I think it led on to five days of it, really. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was a wet. Uh, also, I was talking about um, the canoe trip I did last episode, and I went out and bought two canoes. Yeah, you <laughs> so told me about one, that. one, and yeah. then I went and bought another two. <laughs> uh, but I've sold one, or rather somebody's bought the third one. So I'll be back to two. Um, but that's one's a three seater, one's a two seater open Canadian style, which is what I've been wanting for a long time. Yeah, so I took good. them out for a spin uh, at um, what's it called? Lake Coomba? No, not Lake Coomba, North Pine Dam, whatever that's yep, called. Out the back of Petrie there, Samson Vale. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so I took that for a spin and pulled up on the shore and made a little coffee and had some snacks with the whole family and jumped back in and nice. paddled back to the car. Very good. Did a couple of kilometers. That was very cool. Okay. So you've got two now. I've got, yeah, I've got three, but I'm selling one. So I'll be back to two. And so what are we going to need on this canoe trip we're doing in March? Well, um, probably that's going to be fine because some of the people that are coming have their own kayaks and canoes. Right. So right. really, yeah, this okay. pro probably got, yeah. I was thinking about this this week, if I'd have to get one. No, 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 no. There's a spot for you. There's a spare one. Someone needs to drive one of the other ones. I can't, believe it or not, I can't paddle two canoes at once. Very, very I still got one foot in each and like paddle in between my legs or something. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um now, I want to talk about Kofi really quick. That is a place where you can go and support the podcast. Um, links are in the show notes and elsewhere. But I did speak of the stickers and getting those up and running. Mm. I've got everything ready, but I actually decided not to pull the trigger because we're coming into Christmas and I'm literally going to be away for a large part of the break and I thought it's going to be terrible if some people start ordering and then mm. I don't even get to process, processing their orders for a week or a week and a half. So I decided to not open the shop. It's all there ready. Oh, come uh, on. So come on. Look, I'll early. help you. I'll help you with it. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so early January uh, when I'm back on deck. Uh, officially, I'll um, I'll flick the switch and they, and I'll uh, I'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. Keep an eye out. Cool. 
Yeah, and also same same deal with the um, Caribbean backpack giveaway. It was all too rushed and uh, not organised. I don't want to rush it. I want that to be planned out a bit better. So yeah, come first episode in the new year, I'll have some solid details on that. Very good. So yeah, apologies to anyone who was hoping to get their hands on some of that stuff pre New Year, but uh, I think it's just just smarter not to rush things. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So I guess that means this is our Christmas party, mate. Is that right? Yeah, this this is literally our end of year mm. uh, podcast, guys. I'm sorry to say there will not be another one this year. Mm. Uh, we don't have the time. Yeah, to we be can't... honest. Counting down to about a week, right? To yeah, Christmas we're, cu- now. we're cutting it fine as By it is. By the time this gets out, it, there may be um, sleigh bells. I don't know. Yeah, but it'll the time this gets out, it'll be it'll be damn close. So think of it as your Christmas present. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys are enjoying uh, your Christmas, having a good yeah, time. Yeah, whatever that entails, wherever it is. Uh, I do have some pretty cool uh, news articles that I've been that have been popping up here and there that I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Let me just... Um, this one... Well, this is great because it's it's uh, just a flow-on of the whole canoeing <laughs> um, conversation we just had. Yeah, right. This guy called Neil Moore just finished a... Um, is it west to east or east to west... Uh, I really should have written that down. He went across um, the U.S. widthways, which was, um, I think he went from west to east. In a canoe, what? Yeah, in a canoe, yeah. And it's something crazy like, was 7,500 miles or something. Was the canoe on a trailer? No, it wasn't. It was, well, it, I was going to say it was in the water, but it wasn't always in the water. Right. There was lots of portages, which yeah. in canoe terms is when you um, lift up your canoe and, and carry it and all your gear right. uh, to the next water course. And then... Oh, that's um, extreme. Yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, almost two years... Uh, he was on the water to, right. to get that done. Jeez. Yeah, that, that's a long, a long paddle. And when I look at the map, have a look at the map. <clears throat> it's not um, it's not exactly the straightest route. Wow. All. Yeah, like, he's on. He's had to. I don't know yeah. why he didn't just <laughs> go across. There. He's done a loop here in I don't one know part. What that loops for. He must have really wanted that part. You he know? must have wanted to include that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Obviously, I'll I'll link to that in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. The show notes. It's a place on hikeordie.com where you can go and check out all links to any videos or articles that I mention, just in case you want to look them up later, uh, because you're right in the middle of that cardio session now, and. Uh, your buns are on fire and you, you don't really have time to jot down the uh, article details, don't worry. Yep. Catch up on it later when you get home, when you're sipping on that protein shake. 
yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive anyway, via canoe. Um, yeah, he stopped often. He stay in small towns um, for days, sometimes weeks, uh, it, it said. So he wasn't paddling every day, most certainly not trying to say that, uh, which I think is kind of cool because, as he said it in the article, he gets to know people and the places before he moves on if you're sort of hanging around in a place for two weeks um mm. you know you're gonna get to know the locals and get the the vibe um right that's a huge adventure it is why don't we play something like that you know um i don't know it's got something to do with needing a job and having a family <laughs> that would take i don't know i you know like i might say hey Sorry, I'm going on a seven-day hike. That's okay. But if I said, um, yeah, just going on a canoe trip. Yeah, just, I mean, ten, I'll ten, see you guys in what? Ten months? One, two years. <laughs> it's no drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that puts everything on hold, right? Yeah. And I, I admire people who have the, um, yeah, you know, the ability to do that. Incredible. Incredible. There was another a quick canoeing uh, story that popped up. It, coincidentally, uh, was this um, guy called Ron Canoe Drummond. And the article says, Ron Canoe Drummond was a body surfer, a big wave canoeist, and a pro wrestler. And then the sub <laughs> subheading was historical badass. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it. Exactly. Yeah, I thought he's a ticket every box. <laughs> uh, there's this one photo I just want to show you, Craig, at the <laughs> front of the article. Look at that. What? Not only is it a, an <laughs> enormous wave that I, I surfed, <clears throat> I've surfed in the US, in Fiji and around Australia for many, many years. And this is a solid wave. Like this is a solid wave. <laughs> and this dude has probably 80% of the canoe out of the water, the whole front three quarters. And yep. he's just sitting in the back chilling, um, dragging the oar in the, um, in the water, just getting in some trim. <laughs> Crazy bastard. Yeah. He's a bit of a unit. Um, goes on to, sort of uh, shows pictures of him like he's a bit of a like a unit wow. back in the day like he he's very tall very um he had a good physique and everything uh but yeah he's he's i think it was his brother that originally said to him that he, he took his um canoe out into the surf not because he'd seen anyone do it just because he thought it would be a cool idea and the very first wave it um the water kind of just smashed the bottom out of it and blew it mm. to pieces. So it took him two weeks to repair the whole thing. And he thought, and his brother said, yeah, that's because you're not meant to do that because mm. it's stupid. Yeah. And he said, that's what drove him on to fix it up and then go and do it again. And then he right. became well known for it. And he was, um, you know, there's, like I said, that, that photo is just, there's another one of him standing up. Oh yeah, cruising yeah. on a wave, standing up. Looks like uh, he looks. He's in exactly the same pose as that classic shot of um, Bigfoot. 
<laughs> looks like Bigfoot on <laughs> a looks canoe. Like Bigfoot. He's got a massive beard. He's in that same pose, mid stride. He's standing up, <laughs> standing up in a Canadian style it. canoe, just dragging the oar along. I, I just scrolled through and looked at the pictures and thought, this dude was a legend. And I think <laughs> historical badass is is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, guys, get on the show notes and check that one out. That's cool. It's worth it just to see those two photographs of him um, in the surf. Really cool. Yeah. I'm so glad there is photographic evidence of that because no article would have done it justice. So, yeah, if you're into canoeing, man, this is your episode. Non-stop canoeing. No, no, we're not. it's not going to be all uh, canoeing. I can assure you. Let me get to my next piece. Oh, this article uh, titled Diarrhea Wrecks Backpacking Trips. <laughs> Don't let it wreck yours. <laughs> it goes on to say more than half the Appalachian Trail through hikers reported dealing with a bout of diarrhea along the trail. Yep. Um... <laughs> It doesn't just wreck the trip, but can wreck pants and underwear and all sorts of stuff. But what it, this didn't really surprise me at all uh, in that it said that some of it uh, was from, um, so they basically they traced, you know, people who were sick, they kind of worked out where the majority of these people were getting it from. And uh, there's a couple of different, like people kept assuming they were getting Giardia. Yeah. Yep. And they weren't. They're just getting the, the standard kind of E. coli. Right. And the two places it was coming from was one was uh, people weren't treating their water. Which is how you get Giardia though. So what are they? Well, correct. But you can also get E. coli. Oh, okay. From, okay. So, from the water. Yeah. So they were getting it from not treating their water okay. correctly. Yep. Uh, this is one of those things we've talked about this in the past and you get on any Facebook page or forum or whatever and start asking questions or what, jump in on a, on a conversation about water and you'll get two or three guys jump in and go, oh, I've been drinking the water for the last 35 years. Never yep. done me wrong. Straight from the stream. Yeah, straight from the stream. And they, okay, that's great. That's great. But there's a couple of things you need to keep in in mind here is some of the places we hike, uh, you know, and these guys specifically, they're talking about the Appalachian Trail, heavily frequented by other humans, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about the middle of um, Alaska mm. where there's no humans. We're yeah, talking sure. about well-frequented. I mean, for example, Northbrook Gorge, right? Yeah. Um, people walk up and down that all the time. Sounds like um, we're already heading into mistakes we've made, mate. Oh yeah, that's really that's true. Yeah, because, because I I don't know you and I we've we've for a long time we just you got to treat the water. But I, I bet you honestly, oh, I wonder how many hikers, even listeners to this, don't take the right treatment. For oh water. look, I know. I guarantee you, there's we're, a lot of listeners thinking, "Yep, I don't treat it. Never have. Um, just drink straight out of the stream and." Right. Um, well, two things I'll say to that is fi fine, each to their own. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fine. 
Um, and secondly, you've you've had a good run. You're lucky. lucky. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. I don't want you to have a bad run or yeah. bad runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but inevitably, you're rolling the dice every time you do. I tell that story. We've told that story before. Um, uh, I said to you, we were setting up camp. I said to you, mate, can yeah, you go yeah, grab yeah. some water? We'll boil it up and we'll have dinner. You've walked up the stream. You've scooped up some water. You said, oh, you, you didn't even know why, but you kind of tipped it back out. Thought, oh, I'll just go a bit further up. You've walked another 10 meters and there was a dead turtle jammed, yep. jammed in the water. Floating in the water there. With this oil slick coming out, yeah, going downstream Looking 15 gross. meters yep. to where we were camped. We would have been drinking that shit. We would have been drinking that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the story I tell everyone who says, oh, I've been drinking from streams for, I don't care. We were in the middle of nowhere and there's happened to be a dead turtle there. So Yeah, true. Um, no, we've taken it on board from the start and I remember even being really thirsty on occasion mm -hmm. and, but definitely taking the, the time to treat the water properly. Yes. Before, before yeah. we... You know, before we replenished our thirst, so yeah, exactly, and, that, and that's the thing too. Is I mean, you, you're exactly right. If it's you're not... if you're thinking, oh, just just this once, just this once, yeah, it's um, it's always just that once that gets you. Nobody ever plans to get sick, do they? No. So the other one was, um, and this this again is no surprise to me whatsoever. Is uh, oh, and this there's a classic quote in this article. I must read it. I must read it. Here we go. Uh, the source is frequently contaminated drinking water, which we've just discussed, yeah. or else person-to-person -person transmission via the fecal-oral route. Oh. In brackets, I challenge you to think of a less appealing phrase. <laughs> it says it all. It's uh, hand-to-mouth. <laughs> it's not washing your hands properly. It's not... Yeah. It's not uh, planning properly to wash your hands. I would suggest that people have better hand hygiene now in 2021 than they they had in 2019. Oh, thanks to COVID. Um, thanks to COVID, right. right. And also, uh, you know, accessibility to... There's probably not many families that don't have a couple of small um, tubes of the alcohol... Mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? The alcohol sanitizer. There's the hand sanitizer. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the with with heavy alcohol in. That fixes. Uh, and you know that's what I carry now, just a mini one of those. But in the past, I've carried um, those you know super ultra thin leaves of um, soap, and as yep. soon as they touch water, yep. they become biodegradable soap. Yeah. Um, but even that, sometimes I found myself thinking, oh, I have to go get that out and. And then I have to wash my hands. And sometimes I didn't want to put, even though it was biodegradable, I didn't want to put that soap into the yeah, water sure. system. Yeah. So unless I was taking the water away from the bank. Anyway, there's always going to be excuses that you make. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, the hand sanitizer is good. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, it didn't really surprise me. But... It surprises me that we're having the same conversations, you know. I'm I'm glad you read that article. Time after time. Tom, that's really good, mate. What's <laughs> it called again? <laughs> that quote? 
the, the title of the article. Oh, the title <laughs> is called Diarrhea Wrecks Backpacking Trips. <laughs> Don't let it wreck yours. But the quote you were looking for... I love it. ...was um, <laughs> person-to-person transmission via the fecal-oral route. <sighs> Look, I, I remember a really bad trip to Fiji I had, and, um, yeah, it did wreck It did wreck my holiday, that's for sure. But mm. I haven't had too much um, bad luck on the trail yet. No, on the trail, I've, I've been good as gold. Yeah. I got caught out staying at a little cabin that had a rainwater tank. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if there was something. a, I don't know, dead bird up in the gutter or something. Again, you know, people, oh, I've drank from water tanks all my life. Good for you. Well, I don't know what was in the roof. Mm, if mm. there was a frog, dead frog jammed in yeah, the pipe. Yeah. But I drank from the tap and mm-hmm. I was down for the count. Right, yep. Bad. I had it so bad that um, I was trying to drive home, which was about a five-hour drive, and I was stopping every 30 minutes. And it was like a, um, sorry, listeners, this is not, yeah. don't eat dinner and listen to this one. <laughs> okay. Um, and you, and it was like a, um, it was like a roulette, uh, Russian roulette. And you didn't know which, which end you were going to be dealing with what every the... time you stopped in 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, it was severe and I had to take the strongest, um, antibiotics and then I had to, and then after I finished that, I got sick straight away. And the doctor said, oh, it, it just, you left like one microscopic mm. bacteria and it reproduced again mm. in a couple of days. So then I had another almost week off work. And then the second time they gave me two courses to run back to back. Yeah. And then after that, for an entire month, I had to have the very strongest, um, what do you call those, uh, the good bacteria that you... Uh, probiotic? Probiotics, yes, thanks. I had to have a double-strength probiotic every day for four weeks to get my stomach back to where Jesus. it was. So yeah. it, it was, you want to play with that, that's fine by me, but I just don't anymore. No, but I guess the longer the trip, the more times you have to go go with nature, um, you're up in your odds that you'll have an issue with that sort of bacteria. Yeah, look, I think, I think if you're... Um, yeah. If you're just hand sanitizing, if you just did Make that, sure you you're going to reduce it by a phenomenal amount statistically. Yeah. If you just did that. And don't shake hands with other hikers. They're filthy. Don't touch <laughs> other. Don't touch anything in hiking huts. If you do hand sanitize, pretend everything has COVID. Just pretend everything you touch. And so you've got to sanitize after everything. Makes sense. No. We've learned some skills. We've last, learned some skills. Last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Hey, uh, I'll jump into the uh, Tom's Magical Mystery Media Mashup. Yeah, yeah. We've already, I won't go right back into it, but I did finish A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, and I think we've already discussed it in full, so I'm not going to spend any more time on it. I will yep. say it's uh, definitely slotted into... My top 10, if not my top five books of all time. That's nice. how much it's kind of impacted my mental state. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ability to acceptance, so accepting where I am in that, in that point in time and being able to get the most out of it. Um, yeah, good. 
Yeah, it's it's well worth checking out. And that one's a much easier read than The Power of Now. Yeah, I'm on Twitter already. Yep. If you picked up The Power of Now and you struggled with it, maybe you should get A New Earth, read that, and then go back to The Power of Now, and you, you may find that an easier way mm-hmm. to digest it. But there's... um. The thing is, this, this is not religious based or anything. It's 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 a concept. It's it's a it's a way of um, of dealing basically with your ego in in many different forms, and and that little voice that wants to tell you that um, you know whatever it is, you're not worthy or you you're not fit enough or you'll never be able to do that hike or. All these negative mm, things, mm. Uh, it's dealing with that voice and understanding that that voice is uneducated, <laughs> to put yep. it simply, doesn't know what it's talking about. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that one there. Check it out. I, I, I highly recommend that book. And I, and I think I've said this before as well. Like, oh, you know, why, why, Tom, why are you talking about, I mean, let's, to put a label on this, some kind of a spiritual book in your podcast, it's, supposed to be a hiking podcast well i'll tell you the the simple reason for that is i think that anybody's or a large majority of people spending time in the outdoors and appreciate it, people who appreciate hiking and stuff like that are probably i think we're just tuned already to be a little bit more perceptive um and we're going to absorb stuff like this and we're already in the right places for the right reasons. So I tend to think that why not share my um, experiences with books that um, that I find? Because, because I definitely, uh, for example, when I was um, sitting in the rain, getting rained on, I think I had a much better experience through what, I've read in some of these books, yeah. Because I was able to just tune out the chatter and just literally just get rained on and feel mm-hmm. the drips, mm-hmm. smell that beautiful smell uh, when the rain hits the dirt. Um, listen to mm-hmm. to sounds, and I think that yeah, it, it all it's just all intertwined. Even if you're not that way inclined to to want. To want to delve into any of that, I think you're probably doing it without realizing it. Those yeah. moments where you get to a mountaintop or a ridge line or a, a beautiful stream or something, and you stop and you take that deep breath and you you smell it, you see it, you hear it, and for 30 seconds of your life, your brain wasn't talking. You actually just absorbed yep. that moment. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's about extending those moments. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. Well that's said. why, that's why, I, that's why I bring these things up. I'm sure we're like-minded in some way, if nothing else, perhaps just, um, listening to me talk about it helps you tap into something without reading the book. I don't know. I just, hmm. man. Yeah. Um, no, there's an awe of the moment that we get sometimes when we're hiking and we hmm. look out over a... I think we have an opportunity to to be the type of people who get it more often because we're out there. Yeah. Um, Soaking it, drink it in. You were, you were telling me, um, of, um, when a dragonfly landed on your hand. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of, 
You, well, you would have been halfway through the book by then, wouldn't you? Yeah, mate. I and, was... and it, you kind of had a bit of a moment where you just watched it and... Yeah, it was an absolute, absolutely amazing moment. I was, yeah, really being peaceful and just in... in <laughs> I was going to mention this when we talk about mistakes we made. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> because I... I um, I'll tell you now that I, I um, I was moving around but feeling really in the moment, and I actually dropped my phone and smashed the screen, which leads me to say that we should be very careful of our electronic equipment when we're in the outdoors. And I um, took it very much in my stride. I I moved and like within ten seconds of that happening, this dragonfly landed on my finger. And I've got a photograph of it sitting there because my phone was still in my hand. I was holding my phone that was broken, yet I took a photo of this, um, yeah, beautiful little dragonfly. And then he sat there for about 20 seconds. Oh, he sat there for ages. And then, yeah, right. yeah and it was <clears throat> it was really cool. And nothing else mattered. It, it wasn't, what am I going to do in, in half an hour or in a couple of hours from now or what am I going to do next week? And it wasn't, <clears throat> you know, what does this mean? to the me who I've, I've been for so long. It was just about, about just being there and it was re yeah, exactly what I needed. So, yeah, I kind of was like almost meditating and then I dropped my phone, but I didn't even care. I didn't even care. That's I did best. care. When I got home, I kind of cared. <laughs> I, I kind of cared when I realized how much these screens cost. When you were out there, you just did. You just started taking all your clothes off, throwing them yeah. in the bushes, and you're yeah. dancing yeah. around. Started dancing, flowers yeah. in your hair. Oh, it's a great, great picture right there. Uh, oh, I thought that was a cool story. I love that you were just you were so zen that you just <laughs> smashed your phone and went. Oh, so be it, as you were. <laughs> Yeah. And then as soon as you get back to civilization, you're like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> that was the this, worst this, trip ever. This can't be quick straight to the Apple store. No, it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't quite like that, but it was, um, yeah, a nice moment. That's very good. <laughs> uh, in episode 31, we spoke to Paul Barak, uh, who did the Shinjuku, I think it was pronounced, yep. Uh, yep. trail in Japan. Yeah. And in that conversation... Uh, it might have even been off air afterwards because we often talk to our guests after for quite some time. And we were talking about books and he recommended a book called The Art of Living. Now, the it's by a Vietnamese guy, a really hard name to pronounce. Why do I always have to do this? Thich Nhat Hanh. That's about as close as I'm going to get. And he's Vietnamese kind of, I guess, spiritual kind of leader. And he's opened monasteries around the world. And he spent a lot of time in India studying Buddhism and things like that. And it was it was diff very different from anything I've read. It's probably because um, it was very centered around Buddhism. And whilst I'm not reading it, for purely for the purpose of that religion, there's some uh, thought processes <clears throat> and concepts that they use to make sure that they appreciate every minute of every day and, and they fold uh, directly into um, what we're just talking about with Eckhart Tolle. So it's, mm. And even Eckhart Tolle straight up says that he um, 
it appreciates Buddhism and its yeah. philosophies and principles because yeah. they're very similar. So yeah, really kind of, um, and I guess that's why Paul recommended it to me is it folded nicely into that whole topic. So yeah, I knocked that one over real quick. Oh, good. Um, yeah, that wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It's not going to get in my top 10. No offense, but hey, I got to, uh, I got to show you this video. This, I just want to show you this little bit here. Um, yeah, yeah. Th this video is called finding the most secluded cabin in Switzerland. Yeah. Right. See up in that crack oh. there. Yeah. Up in this, there's a massive mountain in this particular section of the video. And, um, there's a drone shot here. Look in that crack in the earth there. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So look at, and the last bit that he has, to, he has to kind of scale up this rock face on the edge of this enormous cliff. Look how small the road is down here, Craig. All right. Yeah. It's hard to put into words. You know, this is a podcast and no one can see this, right? Yeah, but I'm explaining it so well. You are, People yeah. are there thinking, what? I, I'm with you. That's insane. So, yeah, it's a massive... How did he build that? Well, he didn't build it. Somebody built it. He's just visiting it. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great video. It's just when... The, the money shot is when he's climbing up the very last bit to the cabin and the the mountain is so enormous that the lake is is this tiny little thing. Yeah. And wow. that's when you kind of get an appreciation for the elevation he's had to climb to get up there and then the accessibility or lack thereof. Mm. That was cool. It's a cool little video. Yeah, that's awesome. It's put together. Um, it's only had um, seven and a half million views. So okay. jump on there while it's... Well, it's still, still um, fresh. Yep. Fresh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, his YouTube channel is called Zen Hiking Switzerland. And uh, I looked through some of his other videos and they were really cool. Uh, he shoots nice little videos, puts together some cool stories. Right. This is this podcast got ab <clears throat> absolute spiritual kind of. Oh, I, I just think that, like. Zen hiking. I didn't even plan this. We've become hippies, mate. What has happened? Oh, we um, we've transcended. We have. We've evolved. We've um, or maybe re maybe returned to some previous state. I'm not sure what's happened. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I like it. I like it. We're gonna relaunch the um podcast mm. in the new year. It's gonna be hike or. <laughs> Live forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just knocked my glass of water on the microphone. That's all right, just... man. I like it. <laughs> uh, have you seen the um, the new film that's just come out called Fourteen Peaks? No. Mm. No, I don't leave the house much. What is this? Boring. Um, <laughs> neither have I. <laughs> Next. <clears throat> no, it's uh. It's quite simply, yeah. as a Nepalese mountaineer embarks on a seemingly impossible quest to summit all 14 of the world's 8,000 metre peaks in seven months. 
the previous record from memory was something like seven years or something, which yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. If you yeah. said to me you got to climb fourteen mountains, I'd go yeah, seven years, two a year makes sense. Train up for one, all the travel and everything. He decided to break the record and uh, and and go for um, fourteen in seven months, which is just mind blowing. If you remember when we spoke to Tom Fabry, yeah, that's who I was how thinking much of. time he would spend preparing for each, preparing and training, um, and acclimatizing. And acclim- I was going to say yeah. that it takes a while to get ready. Yeah, physically. So yeah, that's right. Even when you go to the place where you're going to climb, you might have to be there you, for a while. That's right. You might climb up and then spend a week and just wait. But I think. Perhaps I've heard some of the theory is that once you're acclimatized, you can then just continue on to the next. And if the you next. can stay, say yes, if you can stay in that, but <clears throat> I mean, that seems to me like a, I'm just not quite sure mm. how you would do that being that these are on different continents. Is that a similar challenge to what, um, our mate Fabry was trying to do? No, 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 no. He He's trying to do the... Seven, seven highest peaks. Seven highest peaks in, in the, the world. world. And he's on two. All over um, the place, yeah. He's done six out of seven. That's he's right. He's training for Everest. Yeah. No, this is 14 of the 8,000 meter plus peaks in seven months. Wow. Um, and I don't know how it ends because I haven't watched it yet. I just thought uh, if people hadn't stumbled across that yet, that um, they may want to jump in on that. It's only... It's only been out for what's the date today? Yeah, two weeks. Just been out for two weeks. You're, you're pointing point to Netflix there. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to say the name of that um, franchise, Craig. Thanks very much. Okay, just saying because uh, that's where it's at. Yeah, I don't want to. They don't pay for advertising. Okay, <laughs> pay up, they guys. Could not afford us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's some online. Yeah, some some little little company, little online, little option. I don't know what they do. Some videos you can watch. It's like a smaller YouTube. Uh, this awesome film is a little seven minute kind of mini documentary, almost like a news real story, and it's of the. It's called Clunking, which. Mm. In 1979 was a word that they used for, it was kind of pre-mountain bikes. So there, there wasn't mountain bikes being made. There was no such thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they were mountain biking on, they'd get big frames and then they'd put chunky wheels on and they'd bastardize up these awesome. hacked awesome. up bikes. And then they would go, um, like there's one shot here. They're all in the back of this um, truck. All right. Yep. In the days when you didn't need seatbelts or anything, there's about 20 people in the back of this old truck. Look at this dude flying down these dirt hills. And um, they're wearing like just jeans oh, and wow. parka jackets. J- just dressed like they've just walked straight off the street or the farm and they're flying down very steep um, hills and there's a really good um, 
selection of um, crashes as well. I'd rather be clunking. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it was this cool. This is the sort of stuff you dig up, mate, that I, I just like, what? How do they get this footage? It's so know, old that's, school. That's what I love it's about it. Is it. It's really authentic. Uh, a and... step back in time. And they, they would have a legitimate <laughs> races. Like they're walking themselves up to the start line. And they said some people get a lift, but other people actually the report is awesome like and someone commented in someone commented in the in the youtube comments about wasn't it great to see a reporter uh reporting on a story and being super enthusiastic about it and interested in this mm -hmm. what is at the time some ridiculous pastime yeah that a small amount of people are doing, but I th I felt the same thing. Is his reporting is nothing? It's like a childlike fascination with mm, mm -hmm. this amazing sport yeah. that you know that's turned into. If you look at things like um, Red Bull now, it's turned into one of the the big um, events. Yeah, you, know, you think about all of the Red Bull mountain biking events now. And you really could say that a lot of it stemmed from, from this kind of thing. Once again, um, a visual. A, a vis yeah, you got to you got to jump on and see. Go and have I a look, mean, guys. But if this you want to cool. see dudes in seventies flared jeans, um, that guy has orange mittens on. So oh, I love it. Look at this. Look at this dude. Power what? In a denim jacket, double denim. He's in double denim. <laughs> He's got denim jeans and a denim jacket. And uh, he just smashed around this corner at a speed that I wouldn't take on my bike. That's amazing that they, yeah, it, you know, had cameras around and, and did it in such I a cool way. I do love that. Look, look at this guy. Yeah. It, it's cool. But but what I love about it as well is the, um, is the fact that these bikes yeah. didn't exist like they are. Like all the ones we're looking at now on the screen, you, you can't buy that. Someone's got a frame from one bike, put bigger tires from another bike. Um, some people were using, uh, and people were commenting on this in there, that they were using motorbike handlebars. Right, right. Because you can imagine back in those days, they all had those more kind of like ape hanger handlebars. Yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be very good for steering around no. corners like that. No. So they would, they would retrofit motorcycle handlebars back onto these things and if you look at for example my my mountain bike now uh definitely has a more flat bar sort of motorcycle like trail bike handlebar style yeah um, which is what they were trying to mimic in 1979 trailblazers yes in more ways than one very cool the the last video that I've got, um, I think everyone should watch this. This this dovetails so perfectly into in today's topic. It's titled "The Night I Almost Died on Ben Nevis," which is a I believe it's a mountain or a mountain range in the Scottish Highlands. This guy, it's a eleven minute video. He goes into great detail about 
um, where he was. There's even some footage of him um, earlier on in the hike, I believe. He, I don't think this is reenacted. I think he actually was planning to film his trip. Mm. And then things just went pear-shaped. I'm not really giving this away by saying at one point, so you can see where he set himself up. That's literally the where he was. That's the trip. Beautiful, yeah. massive mountains in the background, snow-capped mountains. Uh, he's setting his tent up in the snow. Yeah. Not thick snow. You can still see the grass, but there's there's snow cover nonetheless. And he says at one point in the video, it's blowing so unbelievably hard that the the tent's pressing down on him. Mm. And he got out of the tent. I can't remember, cause it's been a few weeks since I watched it. I can't remember why he got out of the tent, whether it was to check some gear to grab something out of his pack or go to the toilet. I can't remember, but he got out of his tent for some reason. And then he turned around and looked towards it. And in the beam of his head torch, 30 foot up in the sky, he saw the reflection of his (laughs) tent just flying through the air, tumbling into the black. (laughs) And he said within, he said like within, within 10 seconds, it was a half a mile away and was still going. And he said there was, that was it. He, that was the moment that he realized he, he had no shelter and he was completely alone. Yeah. He was a long way from safety. So don't forget to stake your tent. Yeah. Real uh, well. With some pegs, right? With some boulders by the sound (laughs) of it. I mean, he... The, the cool thing about, uh, his name's George Mayer. I will say this, that, that he's very honest. I, the cool thing about this whole video and, and the reason why, uh, why I've decided to, to tell you about it is he just talked through exactly what happened, the mistakes he made, and then how he, because uh, spoiler alert, he didn't die, he came back and posted the video uh he he explains how he got out of it and and what he did to Mm. get um back to safety and and Mm. i think that's really cool as well yeah right hearing from somebody who got that deep in trouble couldn't get airlifted out or anything like that got himself out and then how he got back to safety and all that sort of thing yes that's the story. Yeah. You can tell when he's talking through this, because most of the video is him at his, um, well, some table in his house, just explaining it. And this, this to me looks like a guy who's an avid hiker. You can tell by the, the gear he's using and the language that he uses and how he, he's, he's yeah. no dummy. Yeah. This is in his first rodeo. And he's got caught out and he's, he's very, very honest about it. And I love that about the entire video and I kind of, I think you get a lot out of just. Yeah. The breakdown of, yeah, you know, recovering from a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's what I love hearing about is what were the 10 mistakes that you, small mistakes that you made to make that big one. Yeah. And then how we got out of it. So yeah, I'm, I'll put that one um, on the website as well. And I, I do recommend it. As I said, dovetails perfectly into tonight's topic. Right. Of uh, 
hiking mistakes. Every one we've ever made. Every single one. And uh, with my list, you can see me scrolling through here, Craig, I pretty much did list every one. Of course you've got more than me. Yeah, exactly. What have you got? Two. One, one's hiking with Tom. Yeah. (laughs) And um, And... not putting a phone case on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Craig's done. I'll start going through my list now. (laughs) Uh, I broke it up into sections, Craig, and I do believe that I shared those main sections with you so that we would have some uh, alignment. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a little bit of structure, but um, I haven't read what you've written. No, no, fairly typical story. We don't share notes or anything to keep keep the flow. So it's likely that ours will still be exactly the same anyway, because we've all been through the same stuff, right? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. There might be some, some smaller things. No. The first topic I wanted to touch on was planning. So, this is before you set foot anywhere, before you do anything. This is mostly at home. Yeah. Um, or perhaps at the trailhead, or on the way there, or whatever that may be. And the first one I've got written there is underestimating the distance due to not understanding the terrain. So Hmm. lots of people plan on paper maps or Google Earth or things like that. And it's very, very, very easy to look at a distance and think, oh, that's, that's, that's only a couple of kilometers or a couple of miles. Like, like I can hike a couple of miles in in X amount of time. Yep. Without understanding the terrain, mm-hmm. you can be so far off, and you and I have been caught out yep. many many times yeah. by planning a trip and saying we're going to get this far on the first day, and we're going to get this far on the second day, and two thirds of the way into day one, we're moving through impenetrable foliage and super steep terrain where you can't move at. Yeah. It's not a hiking trail. That's basically what I'm saying is, and that does especially happen when you go off trail. Yeah. You think it Um, at that time towards the Stinson wreck when we um, had to push through and we didn't. That's one of the, yeah, there's been a few. It looked so close on the map, but dang. It it looked so close and we would, we'd been going hard at it for, uh, yeah, like two thirds, two thirds of the day, we've just been going on and on and on, thinking we we're making really good time. So up and down, every yeah. ridge, you every get ridge over, you got oh, we're, we're go getting rained on, down and up again. We're getting rained on, yeah. so all of the um, the kind of clay, red mud was slippery. I fell over a couple of times, climbing over fallen trees all the time. That's another thing. Is uh, is exactly right. So. I mean, we had researched, heavily researched this trail, but what you can't research is, um, I'm, I'm talking trees that are, the width of the tree is like the, the length of a car sort of thing, and it's come down, so then the height of the tree's so long from- Gotta go around them. Yeah, you'd have to go around them. Yeah. Or sometimes you can find a little a hole underneath, but a lot of the time, then we had to take our packs off. Mm. Go through, drag them through, mm-hmm. take our packs off, climb over, get the other person to pass the two packs over, help the other person over, 
we were on our hands and knees. There was time, plenty of times. Yeah. We were on our hands and knees, crawling over rocks. Yeah. Getting caught on uh, the lawyer vine with all it's this vine that has all barbs in it and it just catches on clothing, packs everything, uh, yeah. skin, and you have to stop and get it off. You can't just keep walking, it'll just tear you to pieces. You can't plan for that, but you kind of can if you're not as stupid as us. You can say, well, we need to leave time in there for problems yeah we need to cover unless it's a see this was a popular trail when i say popular a well-known trail that's not well frequented off the side of a very well-known trail that is well frequented so you're walking along a trail for three almost four hours that's beautifully graded is about three people wide Yep. and everything's rosy and then you get off on this one person wide trail that just gets in worse and worse as you go and things just went downhill that was yeah that that was a tough tough trip um really enjoyed it because it was a challenge that we we overcame and we did turn up in the dark and set up our our hammocks in the dark i remember that day so well yeah i, I really do um, I also think there's that time we went through the steamers, but we couldn't quite get to the campsite. We thought we knew where it was. We just were just yeah, we that, exhausted that by one, the time we got there. That's right. Yeah, that's still, um, and I think I cover that off um, later on. But, oh, no, it's actually written here, steamers hike. Yeah, we prepared. Misreading but... and misunderstanding map contours. When th this one's almost laughable, was I had planned this hike and... I'd read other people's notes and everyone said from the car park, if you just head up towards the ridge, at some point you're going to hit the ridge and then you just turn left and start heading left. What happened was we hit the ridge so early that we got up on top and then I was looking at the contour lines on the GPS. We were heading in the perfect direction and then the and then it, the trail disappeared because there was a, what, I don't know, 40-meter cliff. Yeah. The reason I didn't see the 40-meter cliff was because while we were moving, the map was zoomed out and the contour lines are below each other because the cliff's mm. so steep. Oh, yeah. So you're not going to see contour lines when they're stacked directly above. And I'm yeah. talking about a 90-degree cliff. cliff. Right. It wasn't a gradual slope where... If I zoomed in even a tiny bit, I may have seen that, oh, that's really steep, guys. Oh, yeah. I get your point, This too. was yep. like line on top of line. Yeah. So for me, it it looked like we were going to ride this ridge line and we were in the right place. But, but there's a cliff there. It was a cliff and I completely blew it and we'd hit, in hindsight, when we worked out where we were and then we... I was going to say we wasted hours. Well, we did waste hours. We wasted hours because of me. Mm. Uh, getting back down off the ridge, moving along parallel, not on any kind of trail, yeah, yeah. through horrific kind of raspberry bushes and vines, whatever you want to call them. And yeah. we, we probably lost two, two and a half hours, plus we were heavily fatigued. Yeah. And that two and a half hours we didn't have at the end of the day to find the campsite. 
And that's why we got caught out. And so I think we've written in being prepared because you have to be prepared for your trip. Planning for your trip is is very important, but also for perhaps, you know, the contingencies of what might, you know, we we couldn't find the campsite that day, so we had to sleep in a cave and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be prepared for that as well. So, Yeah, there needs to be some flexibility and I think I have to say that um, we, I think we handled the, the morning's error pretty well. I mean, I was not happy with myself whatsoever because I was leading two other people into this stupid situation. But then at the end of the day, we made a collective call that physically we, we couldn't go on and we were running out of daylight. And the, we were, I felt like we handled that part really well. We just casually said, hey, is everyone, are we all voting? Yes, that we're going to do this. Yep, too easy. Let's mm. not stress about it. Let's not spend any more time, you know, just for the record. And I think we said it in that because we recorded a podcast that night. Uh, we did spend at least one hour. I personally was going up and down that, remember that steep terrain? Walking through the bush, literally trying to find this campsite on the... Oh, yeah. I had it marked on the GPS, but I couldn't get to it. Yeah. And I couldn't work out. I still, to this day, don't know. It must be down. I've got a feeling you have to go past where we were and then loop back around down, or or you're supposed to hit that before you come up the ridge. Yeah. Either way, um, it was just... I I thought I had it all wired, and, and, and I didn't, and we had to make adjustments. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, rolled into that is underestimating distance um, on maps, paper maps or or uh, GPS, which I which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of uh, things that we can use to plan. Mm. I think Topo Maps Plus has definitely helped my planning because you can obviously look at that on desktop oh, as well. So accurate. And you can zoom right in and check it all out and yep. look at existing trails, I think. And I didn't do that on this one trip. I took um, a Garmin GPS purely because I was able to download somebody else's route. Oh, yeah. But their route didn't start until we got up to the ridge. Yeah. So that's why I messed the first part up. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, maybe if I just had have stuck with topo maps and planned on that, I wouldn't have even taken the GPS. Yeah. So yeah, planning. I mean, it. It's kind of funny to think that the whole hike can go bad because of what you did before you even got in the car. Yes. Um, that's definitely what happened on that hike. Well, I'll tell you what I wrote um, mm. for, for planning. Um, was study the map, of course, but then tell others. So tell others where you're going. We've said this many times. Yeah, yeah, I kind of listed that under um, under safety. but Safety. But right. definitely I think, yeah, it falls under planning for sure. And what I've been guilty of is I have told people where I'm going before and then I have only really done it once. I've had to change my plans because of because of for some reason I had to move. I'll remind you of one. Oh, are you talking about um Lamington National Lamington Park? Lamington where the actual 
yeah. the place was closed. Yeah, and the track was closed. So the track was closed. We found an alternative way to get where we wanted to go. We were going to go up the gorge, remember, get yep. our feet wet. And um, before we knew it, we're in a, you know. <laughs> and yeah, by the time, because I sort of looked on the map and said, Craig, I think we can get there if we drive half an hour this way and come back in. And we were driving through people's farms yep. to get back to the national park. The problem was by the time we realised yeah. where we were, we had no phone reception. Yeah, we're in a strange place, no phone signal. So we'd already... We'd left the car, gone, we'd, we'd walked for another 20, 30 minutes from the or car. Or even before we got out the car, oh, no, no signal. we couldn't even send a message to say, oh, we've here's a drop pin, this is yep. where we're parking the car. We couldn't do anything. All of a sudden we're nowhere near where we told yeah. our And know, the sun's friends. going down and we had a decision to make. We need to hightail it. Because we're going to be walking, um, you know, up sort of shin deep in a river to try and find a campsite that we've never ever been to. Do we want to do that in the? Um, do we want to do that in the dark? Not really. So we had to make, and I mean, because there was two of us, I think it made it an easier decision mm -hmm. to think. Okay, well, yeah, we both <clears throat> know where the car is, and hopefully, if something happens, it only happens to one of us, and yeah. There's, isn't it funny that I was just going to say there's another podcast came out of that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We actually was I, that was podcast three. We wrote. Um, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We have a uh, we recorded a podcast in our hammocks that evening when we'd set up, and that's it, right. It was a great story because we'd had a great time. But what, when you occasionally you do have to change your plans. But we didn't even consider the fact that we hadn't told any. We ha we have to let that let other people know that you've you know your, your plans have changed. Yeah, that's different for me now, and I guess different for you as well because yeah, we've got the um, Garmin inReach. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and yeah. that's a game changer for me. Having a family now, I think it's important to be able to let them know you're okay or not okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so it's a two way. It's a two-way communication device, yep. which is different to most. Uh, well, my previous personal locator beacon was: if you're in trouble, you flip the antenna out and you press the button and you wait. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is great. Don't get me wrong. That thing, of course, I want that. But this is different in that I can say, "I'm okay." Yeah, yeah. Here's where I am, and drop GPS coordinates. They can look on a map. Yeah. Drop breadcrumbs, whatever you want. Yeah. If yeah. anything was to happen and they didn't hear from you, they've got your last known point. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So that, yeah, th that's changed the way I hike. Not that I go changing everything. I still stick to my plans, but yeah. at least I can say when I do and don't, um, oh, I'm at camp and I'm safe, or I didn't make it to the campsite because of the weather, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. And I can literally send a pin of where I'm staying. Yeah, that's, that's a game changer. Absolutely. It's yeah. But I've um I've stuck with my old routine and our kitchen cupboards you can write on them with a, a whiteboard marker and I always write the destination as I'm leaving. I just it's a good idea. scribble it on the wall in the in the kitchen and um that's a cool idea. little picture I draw a little picture of something and off I go. Mm, so that's yeah. a really cool mm. idea. But actually that's a I might we've got a little chalkboard, I should do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, all right. You so know, usually... Summer Creek Falls and I just leave it there and yep. off I go and that's where I'm going and they know. Yep. And uh, one thing, Craig and I have had a long-standing uh, thing between us that we text each other and yep. we say where we're going when we're leaving 
and then we give an indication of I expect to be out back of my car by midday to text you that I'm safe. Sure. sure. Yeah. And then we allow we agree on a buffer. So maybe I get held up or something. So don't go calling in the choppers at um, you know, I'm gonna be flying three minutes past midday. We flying the chopper. <laughs> we flying the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't call it don't call it at three minutes past midday because you haven't heard from me. Yeah. Agree on depending on the the terrain and the area on what you think a sensible buffer is. Sure, I think between one to three hours is pretty sensible depending on the length of the trip. And uh, then after that point, okay, not only do I know where he is, mate, we'll have planned to wake by that stage. I reckon, you know, three hours, mate, I'd be. It's over. He's he's. <clears throat> we'd he's already be done um, for. partying. Oh dear. Craig, you know how sometimes our adventures take us deep into the wilderness, but then other times we're using our vehicle as a base camp? Mm -hmm. Well, all of the 100-proof Yukon Jack flavors come in the pocket-sized 50ml bottles, and a selection of them are also available in a variety of other sizes. Yeah, it's good to have those options. For sure. So then it doesn't matter if we're celebrating on the peak of a mountain, relaxing around the campfire, or anything in between. We've got smooth, 100-proof Yukon Jack ready to go in a size to fit any outdoor adventure. Yukon Jack, only the strong survive. Craig, I think it's time to move on to fitness and training. Mm -hmm. that this is a great one. Here's one here. Not understanding, and I'm talking about early days, not understanding the effect of pack weight on your body. So I'm talking about before, like maybe your first hike or your first couple of hikes. And assuming that you can put um, an amount of weight on your body and just walk like you would normally walk if you didn't have a pack on. Oh, yeah, no, I wear a backpack all the time. It's It's got my lunchbox in it, and I walk from the train station to work, yeah. which is um, a whole 10-minute walk. I do that every day, no dramas. Good stuff. We're not talking about that unless you're ultralight. Probably are talking about that. Uh, in our case, we're talking about a like, solid amount of weight, and I remember not understanding how much that weight impacts your just everything not not even just your legs but just everything mm -hmm. and uh, I remember being bent over hands on knees just sucking in the oxygen on the first hike we ever did and we were a third of the way up this long sweeping ridge and I remember thinking this mm. this is the worst thing in the world mm. uh, this is not fun this is horrible. Yeah. And I was in a reasonably fit state, but I'd never trained with weight. Yep. Not never. And I'd hardly even trained legs. Like, as soon as you start elevating leg, uh, foot after foot, you know, one after the other, the and you've got a spikes. pack on, yeah, you start getting to that, I'm getting the pains in the chest sort of thing, yeah, yeah. you know. And um, I could not, I could not have imagined. 
how crazy it was until that the first time I hiked up that ridge and just I got the shock of my life. <laughs> I couldn't have underestimated it. It took me so long to get up there. And uh, then I was, oh, I was just questioning everything. Yeah. Am I and hopeless? Am I, is this normal? Like what's going on? But in hindsight, that's not fair on yourself. I think you've, you know, it's. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, and we definitely talked had, about it. Well, we we think, did a whole podcast on fitness, so we mentioned it then. Yeah. I thought we had slightly different <clears throat> opinions where about cardio fitness for hiking because I think that was really important for, for overcoming that is just having um, the ability to just uh, you know, do a run, like go for a, a, a 5K run, builds up your your, your breathing ability to, to withstand that. It's not your legs muscles. It's not as much as it's your... Right. But in saying that, um, I, I said this in the fitness episode, just legs all day. Just, just I just train legs. I've started training legs again. Um, yeah, that's Just right. recently. Yeah. Uh, like on Monday, I did three hundred and ten squats, like deep squats, and I've been doing that for a few weeks now, once or twice a week. And the first time I did it, yeah, my legs were because uh, I haven't done it for a long time. My legs were so tender for six, six, seven days. Yeah. And then the second time I did it, it was maybe a day or two less, but I mean, intense pain. Mm -hmm. But then when I did it this Monday, I was kind of okay within about, um, sort of by day four, I was fine. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how quickly your body adapts is, is unbelievable. And I, I don't take any credit for that. I, the human body is, is the is the champion there. But yeah, I, I think training with weight on your back, training your legs okay. is obviously going to be the, um, the closest thing you can get to. Oh, for sure. To walking with the pack uphill. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can be in that horrific zone all the time when you're training, when you hit the trail, you're just going to cruise it in and yeah. The times I've taken leg training seriously and hit the trail have been some of the most pleasant experiences I've had because that fear didn't set in of, oh my gosh, can I make this? Or yeah. am I going to get to camp at 8 p.m. and then just fall asleep crying? Mm. Uh, how am I going to feel the next day? Like all of those questions w weren't there because I just knew that I just punch through, and then the next day I just get up and punch through it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've added that probably I mistook that just running slash walking on flat ground around here with or without a pack, but having that f sort of fitness where I felt I could um, push myself um, for a run is nowhere near what you need to do. You need to get some elevation. Yes. You need to hills. That's what I've, need to I've do. literally written thinking that running uh will tr thinking that running a bit will translate to a real hike. It, like it doesn't it's better than nothing. But yeah, yeah it's important. You're, if you're not adding elevation you're kind of kidding yourself. Yeah. So I've got some steep hills here and I mm, I target do. them. I target them and I yeah. 
try and walk or run up them as a bit of a it's not i don't think it's the leg muscles i think it's just the ability to because because that quickly brings you into what's that. your biggest it's the biggest muscle group on your body so it's going to draw the most oxygen yeah that's it and so you need to pump more blood with oxygen yeah back down to the legs uh and it's it's a long way from if you look at your body it's a long way from the heart to the say for example your thighs and your quads yeah so there's a big job going on there and your ability to be able to um re-oxygenate the blood and get it back down to the thighs in a, the shortest amount of time is can only be done through practice and and uh your body not your body being used to that and not freaking out yeah sure and those those fibers of the muscles not going oh that's we got to shut down man he's not he's not getting the oxygen back to us we're just going to have to cramp up and that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I also put in there um, thinking that I'll be okay to commit to a last-minute hike even though I haven't been training at all. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. I've done that before. Look, I've done that on multiple times where we said, oh, we, yeah. should, we should go out. Let's go out this weekend or let's go out next weekend. Yeah. It's a week away. Uh Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, I've just got this day off. We can do it. Oh, yeah, I can do it too. Let's do it. Where do you want to go? Oh, let's do this. Uh, let's do a three-day hike. Perfect. Mm -hmm. We'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't feel fine about um, 15, 20 minutes into, yeah. into the hike. And I'm about to say something that's definitely not, not a solution um, to being unfit, but um, often... I don't feel fit enough and I um, take a lot of supplements. I make sure I've got, um, you know, the, the stuff that stops you from cra cramping the electrolytes and Oh, yeah, I think, I think you should take that. And... You should take that when you are fit too. Yeah, sure. Like I take all of those things. Yeah, I know. I take hydrolyte tablets and magnesium and multivitamin on a trip when I'm in perfect shape. Yeah, yeah, but the less fit I feel, the more I'm 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 ticking that you up. Just, that's that's what <laughs> your meals are. Yes, <laughs> just big big um, Ziploc bags yeah. of tablets. Actually, it weighs me down more <laughs> the amount of magnesium I bring with me. And um, yeah, anyway, it, it it is important though to have those sort of. I think that yeah, I think strategies. that's a, a valid point to <laughs> definitely uh, concentrate on. Yeah, you keep yourself hydrated and your salt levels up and everything. Yeah. Because that's only going to impact your performance. And at the end of the day, whilst it might not be a sporting event, you're still pushing yourself. Um, you know, we're in the Australian summer here at the moment and you only have to walk five minutes to lose a heck of a lot of fluids yeah. and salts. Totally. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't take long to for things like cramps to creep up on you. Mm-hmm. The pack. When I mm. say the pack, I'm talking about the pack of the pack and the pack that you pack. What? Yeah. What? Well, I'm not. Ta I'm talking about the act of packing. All oh, right. And I'm talking about the pack that you actively pack. So there's two packs here. Okay. You'll 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 get. It. Don't worry. You'll get it. Uh, <sighs> not understanding. How a pack should correctly sit, that is, weight on the hips. This is one of those ones that uh, folds back into my the last one where I said not understanding a 
pack weight on your body. My first pack, and you know this, we've had this conversation mm. many times, is uh, I bought my first pack. I It kind of fit me well in the store. There was two things I didn't understand at the time, and that is, you know, when you settle into the hike and all of the uh, the foam compresses a little bit on the straps, especially yeah. the hip belt, mm. you have to tighten it up, right? Mm. So 20, 15, 20 minutes into your hike, you're usually tightening up those belts because the foam's compressed. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, what happened with my original pack was I have such a slim waist that this thing is obviously a one-size-fits-all. It was a very good brand. This was not a cheap pack. And you ran out of strap, didn't you? you I ran, ran out, out of, of strap. You couldn't tighten so it anymore. I'd forgotten I'd that. tighten yeah. it up at the car and we'd get moving and it'd feel great. And then yeah. as we'd get in, I'd have to take it up some more. But what I didn't realise was because I couldn't get that really cinched up, it wasn't taking the weight and it was hanging off my shoulders. The other thing was the... I'm, I have a very long torso, I'm very tall, uh, six foot two plus somewhere around that area. Uh, the distance from the waist belt to the shoulder straps, I had maxed out the pack, mm, mm. but it wasn't enough. Wasn't able to do it, yeah. So two things were working against me there. One is the waist belt's not taking the weight, and because it's not taking the weight, it's pulling on my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. And even if the waist belt did work, I didn't have enough distance, so I was still pulling on the shoulders anyway. So I, I literally spent years thinking that putting up with it, yeah, putting up with the headaches when you got to camp because you've been what's those muscles called there? The traps, been you've had the straps straps over your traps <laughs> all day long. Yeah, yeah, and I get and I put up with the headaches. I put up with everything, thinking, ah, this, this, that's hiking, mate. Suck it up. That's uh, hiking. You had some real bad memories of that. I first did. Pack. I did because I did not know this until I got my second pack, which had, which catered for a slimmer person. Sure. And I could tighten it up so tight, and I could literally wouldn't have to do the top straps up, and it would sit against my back totally on my hips and I could get two fingers under the shoulder straps just <laughs> as an exercise. I wouldn't hike like that. But the point is I could get the, the whole pack on my like hips yeah, yeah. and then just gently tweak those top straps to pull the pack in to my back but not to actually take weight. Yep, and that's it yep. changed my hiking life, absolutely changed my life. But yep. I remember the... I remember the first time hiking and thinking, this is a pleasure. Yep. I'm fit, I'm in shape, and my hips are taking the weight. I can move better, I can step better. Still got heaps heaps of weight in there, but it was Same it was weight, just yeah. sitting right. It was sitting right and that's Yeah. And for anyone new maybe you're not new, maybe you're like me, you've been that's what this whole episode is about. Uh is we've done so many things wrong and yeah. I'm trying to impart that knowledge uh, on everybody and that is if you're hiking and putting up with some pain that yeah. your pack is causing you, maybe 
it's worth throwing on a friend's pack. Maybe it's worth going to a store and trying on a few different ones, even if you don't intend to purchase, just to understand if your pack's an anomaly or you're doing something wrong. Like you really should research it because I can tell you from experience that I've had a very painful pack and then I've had a very comfortable pack. And the difference was not how much I spent, just to be clear was nothing to do with it. They were both almost within the same price bracket. It was purely that one fitted me better. Two different brands, two different body types. Mm -hmm. So uh, spend the time. If if you're still struggling with a pack you've had for two or three years, go and check some other packs. Like I can't recommend that you do that enough because, as I said, it changed my life. I wish I had have discovered a more comfortable pack earlier because I spent years, as I said, turning up to camp with splitting headaches um, at the end of the day and muscle fatigue in my shoulders that was so painful that I was wincing, you know, as I was walking. Lucky you're in good company, mate, to make it all worthwhile, you know? I know, you give me a little pat and a <laughs> pep talk. That's exactly right. So, yeah, that's my number one. Um, that includes learning how to adjust the, the straps correctly yeah. um, and doing a test pack as well with everything at home. I've been guilty of not doing that and just shoving it all in and then working out later that I didn't distribute the weight correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the um, hike where you came to my place and we're sitting in my <laughs> lounge room. And it all fell apart. And I started tensioning the straps and it just snapped. Yeah. It was the shoulder strap. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, where the shoulder important. strap yeah. attached to the waist belt, clean snapped off. And I just had my mouth open just looking at this thing and Craig heard the snap, didn't quite realise how bad it was. And I said, Craig, that's the shoulder strap. That is the one strap yeah. that you cannot break. There's absolutely no way this pack can come with me. So at the last minute, I'm getting a smaller, inferior pack out of my cupboard yeah, and just jamming stuff in there and just throwing it all in a big um, bag. And I said, I'll just, I'll just repack it in the morning and sort it out. And I was back to sore shoulders and everything yeah. on that hike. It was I was revisiting a place I didn't want to revisit. Uh, but we had a fantastic, don't get me wrong, we had an absolutely fantastic um, hike. And I don't regret it for a second, but imagine, and I said this to you, imagine if I didn't load the pack and test the pack the night before. Mm. If we'd driven, if what, it, three hours or something to that Remember um, last day of Tassie, and it was the very last day oh, of a five-day yeah. trip. One, um, my, I think they call it, what do they call it on the top of the pack? It's called the hood. No, it's not. It's called the... Uh, the, the, lid the lid of sorts. Yeah, the lid. Yeah. So the, all, all um, f- well, two of them actually broke, two of the, the tie-downs for the lid actually broke so it was just hanging around and it was just being a nuisance and it was it was really spoiled my last day of carrying that thing home 
but it it managed to get me home. But if that had happened on day one, and yeah. I didn't have a second pack, you know, so you've oh, got to yeah. have a pack that's good quality well, that you're lasts talking about the distance. A, a six day hike. We had some other equipment failures on that yeah, trip. Well, we, you we, did. We might get to. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So. Actually, I think you said something about keeping the pack the right size is very important and getting it. That doesn't cost extra money. But no, it just takes time. Takes time to, to get understand the it. size yeah. right of your pack. But there are there. But packs are not all created equal. And no, there, there definitely are some things that I think, as you said before, how you pack your pack depends on on what it's able to carry and how it how it you know where the pockets are and. Hmm. So that that became very important to me, and I realised I'd I'd not had a good pack for a while yeah. too. Um, well, just on your point, I'll just jump over quickly to a, an example of something not being created equal. I used to own a pair of uh, Merrill hiking boots, the shoes, sorry, the Moabs. All oh, right, yeah. And that was my first hiking shoe. Now. That's predominantly made for a U.S. foot. A U.S. foot is very wide. Okay. What if our U.S. people don't like you saying that? People that don't like me saying they got wide feet. Hmm. Why wouldn't they like that? Why do your U.S. people have wide feet? What? Why are they different to us? What are you talking about? Jeez, just stay with me. Man. All right. Okay. Um, Europeans have a narrower foot. They're right. It's a fact. It's just a fact. Uh, so hmm. when I when I got a pair of Salomon boots, they fitted me better. There was less movement up in the box at the front. They're heaps narrower. They are. So that was fantastic. I found a shoe because I have a very big foot, but it's a long foot, but it's not as it's not yeah. really wide. Even at its widest point, I mean, some people would say it is, but uh, it's not really. And I, so when I started using the Salomon shoes and trial running shoes and the boots, I never went back to Merrill because I would put the Merrill on sometimes and just feel like I was just flopping around in the front, in the front of that there. box there. Yeah, gotcha. Because uh, it, it, it's a shoe of exactly the same size, but it just fits different. And that could have something to do with the, um, I don't know, it could have something also to do with Merrill's philosophy on making boots or do they try and cater to a wider variety of people, someone with a narrow foot and a wide foot. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps it's all got something to do with that, but fundamentally speaking, Europeans have narrower feet than people in the US. So once I discovered that, I've stuck with Salomons, never never wavered off them because that is the fit for my foot. Yeah, right. It goes back to what you were saying. You might have your heart set on a particular brand uh, of backpack and it might be a brand that caters for so many people around the world that it's a one size fits all kind of they have to cater for a, a, a slim person up to like a person who's not slim right mm. um, whether that's overweight or muscular doesn't matter even your frame size so you might try on a pack and say oh this is a good price and it's a good brand and all those things are accurate 
but it may not be the fit for you. You may try on a completely different brand that you've never heard of or weren't interested in, and the second you put that on, all the straps do up and the length of the frame and everything just fits you and you say, wow, this feels like it's part of me, not something hanging off my back. Sure. So you need to be conscious of that and just make sure these people in these stores aren't shoving things in your face that they want to sell. Hmm. Um, you know, I think that's what happened with our first experience in hindsight. I've never gone to a store to buy anything um, or rather to get anybody's help with anything since that because yeah. we've kind of progressed past that. I know what yeah, I, I felt, need. I felt that too though. Well, we were put, gear was pushed onto us. It was very good brands, but... And we um, figured any pack that's of that value, exactly. surely we can make that work for exactly. us. Exactly. If we're spending that much money, how can it not be a good pack? But there's and the thing is they were good it. packs, but not for my body type. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, you I, got, I start to think, though, maybe you've just got to go through a few packs um, as you, you know, as you evolve through your hiking career. <laughs> and, um, you know, you will, you will, you can, you can do better than, you can make it make it a better journey if you if you if you think about it and, mm. and research it and do it properly. You know right. what? Yeah, you know what I do now in hindsight because my first pack uh, had no idea. I know we spent a lot of time on packs, but I think this is important because it can make or break a, a whole trip. Um, I remember the first pack I knew nothing about anything, and I got the pack. The second pack. I actually know the guy who makes the packs, as in hmm. I've not only spoken to him on the phone, but he's a bit of a, in some circles, he's a bit of a TV personality, and he's almost exactly the same height and build as me. Hmm. And he's spent years developing this pack. Yeah. And he has a very small waist. And the first thing I thought was he's tall, lanky and slim, I'm getting that pack. And it was the fantastic pack that I had for six years or something. Yeah. The pack that I've just got this year is another guy who I know from a TV show. I won't say anything. Uh, and he is hmm. very slim, not, not quite as tall, but he's very slim waist. And I thought that's the pack I'm getting. And whilst I haven't taken that on a hike yet, which has it arrived? kills me. Yeah, 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 I got it. It took ages yeah. because I actually had to build it. Uh, so now I've got that um, pack. I put it on and tested it and the frame and everything and adjusted it and um, it's feels absolutely beautiful feels long enough the waist belt cinches right into my narrow waist so i think if you were going to go on a facebook group or some kind of forum and say i'm x feet high i'm i have a waist of this does anyone else have packs that they recommend for that body type i reckon that would be a good way mm-hmm. because straight away if I jumped on there, someone had similar dimensions to me, I wouldn't jump on there and recommend the first pack I ever had. No. I'd say, don't get that. Yeah. Get this or this. 
because it's the same as if someone said, "Hey, I've got a really, uh, I've got a really quite a slim foot. Um, I'm struggling to find hiking shoes that fit me." I'd say, "Go check out Salomon. Mm-hmm. Go try on Salomon," because you're asking a, a qualified audience a, a question. Yeah, right. And so I think that would probably be a good way to go about it. Something I've never done, but I. You see the conversations people are having in these Facebook groups and they're most of the time they're really good and people are super helpful, especially with questions like that. So you might want to think about yeah. putting some stats on there and saying, hey, look, this is my mm-hmm. height and waist. Does anyone have good experiences? I was looking at these packs and some tall person might you know, say the same height as you. Oh, mate, do not get that. Yeah, yeah. Do not get that. You'll find that you cannot extend it far enough to... Yeah. yeah. I think all I was saying is that within yourself, your first pack teaches you a lot of things that you'll then use as experience for your second pack. And mm. and I think that's a natural evolution that we all will go through. Definitely and... learning how to adjust a pack is a skill. Yeah, sure. It doesn't sure, matter sure. if you got the right pack or the wrong pack. Yeah. You'll put it on for the first time and you won't adjust it properly. And you'll wonder why it's swaying around. You'll wonder why it's bouncing up and down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're you're right. Your first pack, whether it's the right one or the wrong one, is going to teach you a heck of a lot that you don't want to know. <laughs> anyway, I've been carrying on about packs. What's next? <clears throat> Too dude? much packs. What's next? No, I, I want to. Um, I do want to stay on. Uh, oh no. Packs just for one more. Right. I got this thing called panic packing. And uh, what that is is. I'll spend a week putting aside everything and planning it meticulously from food to uh, first aid gear to sleeping gear to every piece of clothing. I have it all laid out in rows on the ground, Mm -hmm. meticulously do it. And then on the very last night before I have to leave the next day, I start putting things into my pack. And then I do this thing where I panic pack and I I don't know if I don't know if one one fleece jacket is enough. Yeah. It could get cold out there. <laughs> no, I'll just throw another one in. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if two pairs of socks are enough. I mean what what if I got my feet wet? I, I won't won't be able to dry a pair of socks and I need one pair to sleep in and one I think I'll take a spare pair of socks, no problems. Oh, what if I get really sweaty? I'm, I might just take a spare shirt. I'll just throw a shirt in. I'll throw two in, you know, because I'll need one to hang around the camp. Yeah. Now, now, this is after I've spent a week meticulously thinking about exactly what I would need and basically agreeing on that with myself and putting it into a pile and then at the last minute just shoving stuff in because I even food like, oh, just, just chuck an extra meal in. You never know, right? Oh, I might throw some extra after I've meticulously calculated yeah. what food, and I just end up shoving so much stuff in. Extra stuff. You know what happens when I get home? I pull all that stuff out, and it's I just put it straight back in the wardrobe because I didn't wear it, and I put the food back in the pantry because I didn't eat it. Yep. So I never touch the stuff that yeah. I panic pack. So There's... don't put it in. It's five kilos of weight. There's a big mistake. There is the panic packing and. You I do always it all overthink the time. it. I do don't it you? all the time. I do it with clothing. That's my biggest problem. And I was going to mention that in a minute that 
I just take too much clothes every was, single time. I used to worry about the cold a lot, you know, that like I didn't handle the cold well years ago. Mm. So I'd just pack ridiculous amount of warm clothes because mm. I was not good at handling it. It's 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 stupid. It's stupid. Um, I think every someone I've heard people before, and I I agree with this wholeheartedly. Is you go on, you make a list of your stuff. Go on a hike when you get back. Um, on some kind of a spreadsheet or a checklist, mark the ones that you didn't touch. Yep. Go again next time. Consider not taking them. Mm. I'm, I'm not talking about your personal locator beacon, don't, oh, I didn't use that two hikes in a row. I'm not taking it next time. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't use the snake bandage for three damn hikes. It's a waste of weight. That it's thing. stupid. That thing. I didn't need toilet paper on that yeah. hike because I didn't even go. I'm not taking it next time. I'm not talking about that. Don't misquote me, people. <sighs> what I'm talking about is the extra three jackets that you stuff in and you realise you don't take them. Cull them from your next hike. Yeah. And you keep whittling it down to realizing now I've got it pretty wired and I have kind of stopped my panic packing. But it usually came from being scared of being cold, but I don't really have that fear anymore. Well, can we talk about clothing? And, and, yeah, and I'd love to talk about clothing. And food um, is in a similar sort of vein to that. Um, Which one do you want to talk about? Food. First? Uh, clothing. Okay. Sure. Yeah, because... Um, Mine says yeah. here, taking too many warm clothes. <laughs> Which is what you just, <laughs> just said. That. That's what I'm saying. Let's talk about clothes. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I'm going to sound quite feral here, but um, I actually wore the same clothes for most of the um, solo trip. Mm -hmm. I just pretty much wore the same thing the whole time. Well, when I mean, what we did for three days and you were predominantly walking around naked, <laughs> what it... I mean, your clothes didn't uh, even get there. Actually, if I read my notes correctly, clothes, I don't need any. <laughs> I've changed my Depends where you philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I I second you on that. There's, But I still packed heaps and I brought them with me. But I just bring them all home clean. I brought them all home clean. When you're in, uh, and th this is not, this is not a, um, a sponsor plug here because we're quite open about being... Uh, we're sponsored by a merino wool company, Bluey Merino. But wearing merino wool, yeah. it does not smell. Yeah, sure. I've got merino socks, mm -hmm. uh, underwear, and a shirt. Yeah. I've even got a beanie. Mm -hmm. uh, is there another word for that in other states? I don't know. No, uh, I don't know. No, beanie. Beanie. Um, what? <laughs> Um, thieves wear on their head yeah. in uh, Home Alone. <laughs> uh, and I've even got a hoodie, but I don't I don't take the hoodie. It's, it's actually too heavy. And so with that, you can wear that for days on end. And if anything, you might start to smell, but the, the merino clothing will be thinking, gee, that guy stinks. Yeah. But we don't. And if you can jump in and have a little a, a swim in the stream or whatever, it, wherever you are, depending on what what situation you're in, you're obviously going to give longevity to that. But really, mm. it doesn't smell. 
Yeah, I think my main point with clothing is that I always take more. I always bring home clean clothes I didn't wear, and it 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 also just taught me a few little tricks that can can reduce the amount of clothes. Like instead of taking um, clothes to sleep in, I used to just honestly wear what I would uh, wear the next day. If if, if that makes sense, I know yeah. not, not, not everyone does. So it's this still stuff. clean, yeah. Because that's a that's a very important factor. I would never. Uh, and I, I don't think I ever have. Maybe I've done it once or twice with my old sleeping bag, but I'd never do it with my new sleeping bag. Oh, I see. In dirty. Yeah, I see. Yeah. No way. You got to weigh this stuff up. These no decisions. way. But I would. That's clever. What you're saying is you're wearing the next day's clothes, which are clean. Yes, absolutely. If you got a second set, they are clean. So you're getting into bed with clean clothes, waking up in the morning. And wearing those clothes to hike, I think yeah, that's pretty cool. Because what I used to do was I'd wear the thermals to bed, but put occasionally some clothes over the top to keep me warm that I might be wearing the next day. But then you got to get them off, get the thermals mm. off, and then get the clothes back on. So I started just ditching the thermals and just being in the clothes. So I'm up, I'm having breakfast, and I'm all ready to go. I've mm. got the clothes on, and I know not everyone does that. But no, I still do the. So I've got a separate. I'll have a dry bag with a long sleeve merino top and long uh, merino pants yeah, yeah. and some merino socks. Yeah. Because now that's all I sleep in uh, because my you don't. sleeping system's so warm. You don't wear anything over I the top of it. Yeah, yeah, so I used to have to pack on the clothes because my sleep system was was rubbish. But now that I've improved that, I wear less to bed. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, ponder that thought, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I've got a couple of lazy hacks that I just um, have, have developed. It goes with the, the, the food and stuff too. Um, we're going to have quite different notes on food because I think I've worked... Um, it, I've really actually enjoyed times where we've brought special foods and... I've really developed that. Like if, at first it was weight you couldn't afford to carry in, in my mind. You can't yeah, exactly. take special foods. But now you can. I've worked, you know, I've fitted that in easily. But for me it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of time away from the experience. I don't enjoy the cooking as much as you do, mm. perhaps. So, yeah, I've, I've felt and just, um, what have we said, just, just taking stuff that's already prepared and all that sort of nonsense that has made foods a lot easier for me. So I don't, you know, because in the first place we had a lot of dehydrated foods as well, or what are they called, freeze-dried. Mm. But um, now it's just, you know, a lot of muesli bars and a lot of um, stuff that's ready to go. I just I bring back a lot of food I don't eat as well. Yeah, right. Take too much. Before we do jump right into food, I just wanted to... Um, there's one more point on clothing is yeah. a big mistake I've made several times is wearing too many clothes under a rain jacket. Um, so say for example, we're in a cold environment and we're doing some fair elevation hiking when you move out of camp or when you move out of, uh, you know, day one or whatever, you're quite cold cause you haven't got moving yet. So you have some layers underneath and then you have to wear a rain jacket because it's either raining or snowing. And within a very short amount of time, you're building up body heat and you're sweating on the inside. Yes. And 
the most significant kind of example of that um, was again that Stinson hike where it was raining mm -hmm. for most of the the day. It was a three or four day hike. Um, well, we made a three or four day hike, and it was raining most of one particular day. And I remember putting on um, my rain jacket to stop the rain getting on me in the hope that I wouldn't get too cold throughout an entire day. But then underneath I was completely wet, yeah, like 100% like I'd been rained on. And I, there was a point where I took my jacket off, again, just had the merino T-shirt on, took my jacket off, rolled it up and strapped it to the top of my pack and just let myself get rained on all day because it was actually more comfortable than yeah, that's it. hot, muggy, sticky sweat in a rain jacket. Yeah. It was disgusting. Yeah, raincoat only keeps you dry if you're not sweating, you know, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that's a real art form, that is, to, yep. to be able to um, not sweat. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about cheap rain jackets here. If someone says, oh, you're talking about a plastic bag. No, I'm not. I'm talking about, you know, expensive, high-quality, breathable materials. But I don't care what you say. If you start to... Um, zip that up or strap it up, you're going to start to sweat. Yep. Especially in, um, we're talking about hiking in rainforests and stuff like that. Mm. It's very humid already. Yep. That doesn't help. <clears throat> well, that's, yeah, so let's move on to, or continue on with food rather. And that, yeah, definitely same thing as you, taking too much. I've also mentioned taking food that requires uh, too much preparation. Okay. Based on the length that you're traveling each day and, and what you're expecting to do. So there's times when I deliberately take food that requires a lot of preparation because yeah. I know that day is a shorter hike and I want to enjoy cooking that evening. But I've made the mistake of taking uh, food that requires a long preparation. Uh, if we revisit some of our earlier points there, getting off course, maybe getting lost, the mm -hmm. hike takes longer, there's a diversion, mm -hmm. getting to camp later and then having to spend extra time when all I want to do is be able to boil 400 mils of water, pour it into a, a plastic bag, let it sit for 10 minutes and then eat it. Yeah. There's a time and a place for that. Sure is. Yeah. And you you got to decide what it is. You might say... I love that stuff. Um, it's every hike for me. And I'd say, you know, I, a few years ago I would have agreed with you and I've done it. I've gone on seven-day hikes and just packed those and I've had no problems, you know. My yeah. belly was full and yeah. I, and in, um, especially after a few days you appreciate the taste of anything. <laughs> that's right. Hot yeah. and with a bit of salt, something that's salty and hot yeah. and tasty. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, one major mistake that I witnessed, I was not, it was not me, but I saw a, another couple of hikers, uh, when I was on the, the first time I was on the overland track in Tasmania, this couple had decided to do their own dehydrated meals. <clears throat> now dehydrated meals, are not the same as freeze dried meal, uh, it's two very different things. So... 
I remember the what happens uh, when you're traveling on these hikes where you stop at a cabin each night is you all kind of move at the same pace. So you see the same people every night. Yeah. So the very first night I remember seeing these people and they cooked. They had to rehydrate this food and it, they were probably going for an hour and a half to two hours. And every time they tried it, every 15 minutes, it was still chewy. Wow. And... um and I thought, wow, what a great thing you've done is you've made your own pasta sauce and and dehydrated it. But the time it was to, and this went on for two nights in a row. Yeah. And I remember <clears throat> we were we were sitting in the cabin one night and they were doing it. Everyone was starting to head off to bed and they're still there trying to make dinner. I'd had dinner in ten minutes. Yep. Because yep. I'd I'd smashed one of the freeze dried meals. Yeah. Sure. And I said to him, you know what you should do tomorrow? You should sacrifice one of your um, water bottles, put the food in it, fill it with water, screw it on tightly and just walk with that all day. Yeah, right. And it's going to hydrate while you're walking. And they did that the next day. And when they got to the campsite, they poured, I looked disgusting, because they've been sloshing around there. But they poured that into the, you know, the pot with yeah. their stove, yeah. heated it up in five minutes and they were eating in 10 minutes Yeah, because it had pre-hydrated, rehydrated during the day, mm. during the course of the day, it absorbed the water back in. And it was incredible how much it absorbed because I saw it in the morning and it was mostly water with some stuff floating around and by the end of the day they were... Like pouring, like it wasn't bits. water. It was like chunks of food yeah, were coming out. So that's what I <clears throat> learned from those guys without having to go through it myself was just be careful that you know, practice at home at least once cooking with your actual stove with the actual food the exact same way. Sure. And just yeah. make sure that... Um, that you can do it in yeah. a timely manner. Uh, that also goes for if you're going to take, I've said this in other episodes, if you're going to take uh, any freeze-dried food, dehydrated food or whatever, <clears throat> if it's different to your daily diet, have a couple. If you're trying a new brand, have a one or at least one or two a week or so. On a weekend, have one on a Saturday Arvo or something not on the hike because some people can react like pretty <laughs> but or you can or you can find one that's absolutely hideous and you think yeah oh that's disgusting i'm so glad i didn't hike for eight hours and get to camp and open that one sure. uh, like that curry is way too hot yeah it's so ridiculously spicy I'm gl I'm not buying that brand again. I'll get this brand. If you don't try these things, you're gonna. I've done that. That's... I've I've got there and I've opened a curry and it's blowing my head off. And oh, I thought, yeah. I did not want something that spicy at the end of the day. I wanted something mild, sweet, and salty. Yes, that's good advice, mate. That is good advice. Mind you, everything does taste better on the trail. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a valid yeah, call. That's you know, a, I mean, I've tasted. Sticks that were equally <laughs> as good as some meals I've had yeah, yeah. back home. Thank goodness for this. Yeah, stick. that oh, wow, that's so nice. The texture, oh, and it's got a 
a little chewy <laughs> inside bit. It's great. Perfect. Uh, I th- I've wrapped this up into food, but it's not really food. Well, I guess it is consuming water. Uh, boiling water instead of filtering. Filtering. That um, is hilarious. The very first oh, hike. Yeah. Um, Craig and I. Five minutes, right? We uh, misinterpreted a couple of things. Like my, <laughs> my understanding now is whatever, once you get to a rolling boil of water, you've that, killed anything that you can kill. That should be it. Uh, there yep. may still be things in it, but you can't kill them. Like once you get to a rolling boil, unless you're going to sit there and, what is it, pasteurize it for like an hour or something, you, oh. you, you can't. So it's a rolling boil. Once it gets to a rolling boil, I leave it for a few seconds and then as far as I'm concerned, that's good. I've never okay. had a problem. Yeah. But what we thought, and this was um, you know, a bit of hearsay, is we would get it to a rolling boil and then we would, on our watches, time five minutes. I remember that. A full rolling <laughs> boil for five minutes. So five minutes after it starts boiling. Yeah. So in total, probably like 10 minutes for one pot of water. Yep. And, uh, then let it cool down. And... Then it was. Then we had to let it cool down because we couldn't drink it. I'm talking yeah. about drinking water. I'm not even talking about food for cooking, uh, water for cooking. I'm saying mm-hmm. we wanted to drink a cool drink of water and we boiled it for five minutes and then let it sit there for three hours. <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous. Yep. And it was soon after that we thought, I reckon there might be a better way. What are other people doing? What's oh. this thing called water filtering? What's yes. that? Yeah. <laughs> and we moved on to SteriPens as well. Which yeah, we were... went through SteriPens, which I don't have a problem. Oh, I just hit the microphone again. Sorry. I don't have a problem with SteriPens. They're great, but they do create a problem where you're relying on an electronic device. Oh, I told you when mine yeah. let me down. And, yeah. And a battery. The battery Your, your was... story, man, is not. Like I remember, in hindsight, like I said at the start, you can just drink the creek water. You know, like it's pretty. You know, it's not going to kill you. You'd expect, but if you were like I was at that stage, I didn't want to drink potentially dirty water, and I'd climbed all the way down to this spot to gather water because there's none Did up. Did you on the top. walk down from Montserrat? Montserrat down. So to the you creek. climbed up to Montserrat. Yeah. Which is. How long did it take you? An hour and a half, two hours? Like it's a big climb. Yeah. Very got, steep. Got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I got there and I had... And then came back down. I came, went down with an empty bottle to oh. to go down. And, and your SteriPen. And my SteriPen. And I was going to fill it up, have a drink down there and bring up some water that was sterilized. Yep. But of course, the moment I put my SteriPen in the thing, it just gave me the flat battery indicator. Oh, man. And I didn't have any other batteries with me. So, so you didn't even have them back at the top of the mountain? I think I might have, but it's a long way up. Yeah, yeah. What, I can't recall. But the thing was I just had um, – no, I think I did. So I think I took dirty water, carried dirty water back up and I yeah, had other so batteries. I, that was my recollection. Yeah. That you had them, but they weren't on But I, on halfway up that mountain again and I was just like, Ugh, I could hardly even just like – my tongue was just – <laughs> I was so dry. I was so yeah. bad and dehydrated and um, got to the top and then I had some water up there and I sterilized a little bit. And But the battery let me down, man, and, you know, you you can't. Mm. You can't the the SteriPens are fantastic. They are excellent. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I'd never go, I still own one. I just don't use it. I'd, I'd never go back because we've both moved to the Grail, which is a much faster, yeah. much more reliable system with yeah. pretty much zero moving parts. Mm, yeah, yeah, geez, you don't want to get oh, caught out with water. It's just that those batteries oh, yeah, last so water. long, so many times yeah, I've yeah, used yeah, it. Yeah, just that one time when I'm one time, And I can't believe, I've, I've done that mountain and I cannot believe you even contemplated walking back down and back up for water. Like I would have been at the bottom carrying it up so I didn't have to walk back down because that's a long way. It is steep that way, but I came up the other way. I came up from oh, did you from the hut or whatever you oh, call wow. it from the from the car park? Is way that right? And arrived, so I was, and I hadn't really seen much water. Actually, you do cross over a little bit of water. I could have gained, but um, yeah, was, I didn't realize. You I had know. water up at the campsite, but I was just like, I wish I had a bit more. Yeah, you know how so you three hours later, I'll go down. <laughs> I'll come back. Yeah. Anyway. The way you went down. Yeah, that's steep there. Steep. Yeah, right. That's what, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I went up. That's crazy. <clears throat> uh, last thing on food for me is uh, <laughs> trying to cook eggs in a hiking stove. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, man. That's man, all right. <laughs> first time I did it, I basically, I wish I had have packed a jackhammer to um, get the get all of the egg out of the stove so that the next, every meal I made for the next two days didn't taste like egg. Oh, I know or, what you mean. Or burnt egg. It oh. just stuck to the bottom. Oh, I thought you were just boiling it. Oh, no, 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 boiling eggs. That, that's a great idea in hindsight. No, this is, I was trying to cook scrambled eggs and um, oh, no, don't in do that. two milliseconds uh, it just all... Stuck like proverbial shit to a blanket. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was the end of that. Well, I thought I was going to have to throw the pot out. It was oh, so right. bad. Oh, right. Because, you know, that's an intense flame for heating up yeah, yeah. water. You know, it's not made for... I don't think any French chefs out there are cooking over the... No. Those little pans we're using don't distribute the heat or anything. So now I've learned I can do stuff like uh, I often do oats in the morning and I'll yep. actually physically hold the pot a, a good sort of um, hand span up off the heat yeah, right. and stir it while it's up there as well. Okay. Um, it still only takes a minute or two, but I'll, I won't actually leave it down on the stand where it's supposed to sit because it will just burn. Too much, yeah. yeah even, even on the lowest setting. Um, that's how I manage my cooking now. Ah, oh, see, I'm a lazy chef, mate. I love eggs, but I'll boil them and I'll just um, put them in a wrap with some sliced cheese and a little... Well, I don't think boiling's lazy. That's fine. No, no. I mean, we've got even lazier than that, of course, but... Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's no mess. It's quite... Yeah, it's quite a good option. Yeah, that's pretty good. Carry them in, boil up some fresh eggs. Just eat nice. the shells and everything so you don't have to carry them out. Yeah, that's, that's right. clever, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. Uh, next on my list, Craig, was footwear. And we alluded to your uh, fantastic adventure in Tasmania. And I believe you were hinting at your footwear. <laughs> yes. Well, like you said before, they're not all, uh, not all things are made equal. And I think 
um, with shoes, that's very true. Um, I had some what they call ascent shoes. They're designed for a little bit of um, scrambling and so forth, and I love them because they're really good on wet surfaces and I feel really confident in them. And I had been rating them so highly for so long. And yes. then the tragedy of using them with heavy packs. Um, on the very first hike. Yeah, it was a brand new pair. It was about because, day five of the yep. very first hike. Because I loved them. I bought a brand new pair for this trip and they failed. The, the glues came undone on the sole. I remember you were, you were fanboying them sitting at the last hut yeah, fanboying with, with this other guy, guy yeah, talking about how great they were. Yeah. Are we allowed to say what they were? Um, I, 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 we said it in another yeah, podcast. Yeah, so some 510s, which a lot of yeah, people know about. You said it in another podcast and I put a picture of them so, because I – it was like a public service announcement. <laughs> Do not go near. <laughs> yeah, these. but the funny thing was, um, and if if you're from that company and you want to tell us otherwise, fine. Yeah. Give Craig a new pair of shoes and he'll test them again. But he was five days in on yeah. a brand new pair and the sole came off. Now, <clears throat> you're talking to this other guy, fanboy, and how much you love him. I remember just sitting there and turning to the both of you. He was telling you about his falling apart. Yeah. And I turned to both of you and I said. You guys are a pair of clowns. <laughs> what are you talking about how good your shoes are and that you're both talk, telling each other about how they're falling apart. I'm sitting here in a pair of shoes that are five Salomons. Yeah. What are they, G, GX4s or something? Three at the time. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, I've had them for four or five years, no dramas. And, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, the next day when you had your shoe tied up with paracord that, yes. and your pack's falling apart and your boot's falling apart. <laughs> Look, it's tragic. And and you 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 know what? I think you've you've got this vibe from me a couple of times. I still loved those shoes, man. You've got you've got no understanding for how how good they felt when you just have to put put all your weight on them on a bit of a, a slippery surface. They are amazing. Yeah, I like shoes where you, after five days you can still put weight on them. Okay, all right. <laughs> just just briefly, just briefly here, they they have a very different sort of rubber, a completely different sort of rubber. So it's like a different tire altogether, and uh, on, on a vehicle. And what are they know, made for? Like sleeping in or something? No, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you could sleep in them. But I um, just think. That, yes, it must probably, be a super soft rubber. They are really. But then soft. it wasn't the rubber that was the problem. It was the, the adhesive. Glue. Yeah, because it doesn't it just doesn't stick to the glue as well as like a oh, okay. different sort of rubber. So and because of the cold temperatures and all that. Look, I've got I've got reasons why that may have happened. It doesn't mm. help me out at all that it broke. No, it sounds just like a list of excuses. Exactly. For, Crap perishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Burn. So I'm um, look. I'm sure everyone has their favorite pair of shoes, but that shoes are important. You know, I think we've we've got to talk about mistakes we made with shoes. Well, yeah, I yeah. shouldn't have taken them under load. They're not meant for carrying heavy weights. Well, that's and, a fair call. And in those temperatures, with we scaled up a mountain. Remember the first day. Oh, or, and the third day. Yeah, I remember. I so, was there. I think, yeah, they just broke. They just broke. And, um, mm. yeah, I guess some things are a bit more fragile, and that's probably what I'd put like them down. Like your, your knee? 
<laughs> Might need that trip. Yeah. <laughs> that was the other piece of equipment that clapped out on the last day. <laughs> my pack, well, the, the lid of the pack, my shoes, and I was, I, I hobbled home. You did hobble home. There's video of me saying, oh, Craig's a little bit, a little ways back. I think his <laughs> knee's giving him trouble and he's falling apart. Um, well, one of my big things for footwear was, um, my socks, I include that in footwear. Right. Of course, socks are very important for hikers. You've got to get that right. The biggest mistake I ever made with socks was on the the same hike we were talking about earlier where my pack failed. Um, I'd been wearing the same merino socks for years because I only wear them hiking. I don't, I don't wear them anywhere else because... A, they're expensive and I want them to be in pristine condition for hiking. Mm -hmm. But I wore them for so many years and they went through the wash so many times, they lost their elasticity. And the problem with that is my foot started, like they started sliding around my foot. Yeah. So yeah. moving, so every time my foot hit the ground, there'd be movement that there never was before. Yeah. Because I got this looser sock on on the very same hike i didn't spend the extra two minutes to lace my boots up properly because i used to having such good socks that i just take do a you know a lazy job of laces and i i used to say i've said on this podcast i never get blisters i don't know how people have so many problems with blisters i never get blisters i don't understand how people get blisters because i was tightening my my boots very well and wearing very good socks. And that one time I was lazy with my shoe tying and I had older socks on, we got halfway to the campsite and I said to Craig, I'm getting a blister, I can feel it, I'm getting a blister, I don't understand. And then uh, at the campsite, yep, sure enough, I had my first ever hiking blister. I'm talking... It was a bad one. 10 years. Like I've been hiking for 10 years and I get my first blister. Yeah, yeah. And so we did, I just taped it up and, and it was no dramas. But I, the, when we hiked out, I spent the time to tie up my boots properly. Yeah. But the damage is already done. And so I was not that comfortable on the way home. Mm. I have hiked since then, worn. Uh, so I've got new socks. Obviously, I'm not that stupid. I went and bought new socks and take the time to lace up my boots. It's never happened again. Yeah, okay. So there's that lesson and I give that lesson free of charge to everybody take two minutes lace up from the bottom all the way to top getting it all nice and tight so that there's no sliding around in that foot box because mm. that and the heel too um people have all weird and wonderful ways of tying boots but i'm not going to go in and argue about that now but just get them cinched up nice and firm because, and if you feel a hot spot, stop and get some tape on it or adjust your shoes. Don't keep going because your skin on your pretty little feet yep. are going to break before the socks or the boots rubbing against it. Yeah, I think what you're um, pointing there and what I've discovered is that it, the socks have to be fairly tight, mm -hmm. fairly snug. Yep. And I think that really helps. Um it definitely does because yeah. then you don't have a, a, an in-between layer. And what I mean is there's your foot 
and then in between your boot and your foot is this loose thing that's if it's sliding. Loose, if it moves, might as well just like throw a few bits of sandpaper in your boot and stick your foot in. Yeah, and so that's why I've always had like now compression socks that are really yeah. tight, and um, it's made a huge difference. That's just they stick to my foot. Yeah, and so yeah, I, that's something I learned, but. I think everyone's a bit different on that. Depends how you travel and how your feet hit the ground, but um Yeah, I I agree with that too. And and again it's gonna depend on that brand of footwear. Which yeah. leads me back to my uh, um Merrill story. Don't dry your boots too close to open fire. All right. <laughs> I had a brand new pair of Merrells. Oh no. And I'd only worn them a couple of times and I went on this big hike and been hiking all day and walking through water up to our chest deep. My shoes were soaking wet and I had a little campfire going and I'd never dried anything around a campfire like that before. So I put them a distance that I thought was a reasonable distance, Yeah, you know, like a metre or something, like three foot or whatever, thinking that's a reasonable distance. Um, then I just went to bed. And I'm not talking, this is not a big fire at all. Mm, mm. Very, very small fire. But just that radiating heat, it, um, well, I got up the next morning and it had, it had peeled like the front bit off the toe, you know, the rubber that comes up Ooh. over the tip of the, that had peeled forward. I see. The sides had peeled, like it destroyed these. Yeah. And the inner soles had, had both curled up at the heel and then gone kind of shrunk a bit and gone hard. So then when I put them on, they felt terrible and they were all falling apart and they ended up being shoes that I mowed the lawn in after that. So your shoes fell apart pretty early on too. Well, what happens is when you put it next to a fire for eight hours. Yeah, but also on our Tassie trip, like the water bottles froze. We had um, zero... Temperatures that night. Yeah, the I don't night know. Before if, it fell apart. I don't know. Freezing. Someone who works in freezing environments may be able to hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or something and let us know if they've noticed different types of rubbers. Because the only thing I can think of if you're talking about cold is if that rubber is kind of freezing to a point where it's losing its. Um, pliability and then you're walking on a slightly hardened rubber and does that make it crumble or does that did that make the glue come but it was that same morning remember we woke up on that timber platform and the yep. um the water bottle had frozen or yeah, the water that. inside it that's the morning i put them on and the um sole was, so yeah, during so that night the cold temperature had made it happen so it's kind of like what you well, just described. Well, it's the, oh, the opposite. Yeah. So you, you might have had, for example, well, we did get rained on. Yeah, well, they were wet. So they were wet. So if that iced up, um, ice expands. Yeah. So all of the fabric in that whole shoe froze and expanded overnight. And then as the morning temperatures came warmed mm. up, it all shrunk back, so yeah, it could be something. I'd say it was something to do with the temperature and the glue, mm. and um, bad luck, and yes, yeah, something to learn from. A mistake was yeah, because those shoes aren't aren't designed for what we use them for. Anyway, 
what you used them for. I didn't use them. Okay. I would not use damn shit shoes. Uh, one fine one on footwear. Uh, not checking inside your boots before putting them on, especially if you're in Australia. I This is not a hiking story, but I put on a pair of um, Doc Martens and I was wearing them around. I think I might have been at work. I'm pretty sure I was. And I was walking around for a good half of the day and my big toe was itching. Mm-hmm. Like just uncomfortable itching like something uh, like a little grass seed or something was in the sock, uh, gone through the washing and picked up something. And it was just irritating me for hours and I just put up with it and then thought, oh, I've had enough. I'm going to take my sock off. I'm going to find whatever prickle is in there and I'm going to pull it out. And mm-hmm. I um, take my uh, foot out of the boot and I'm looking at my sock and there's no prickle on it or anything and then I kind of shake my boot think it might be a stick or something and this enormous spider fell out. Oh, right. A massive spider that must have been cramped up in toe box right up above my toes and it was the hairs on its probably legs or its body that were going through my sock and prickling me (laughs) and it was still alive. It wasn't dead. It's a massive, <laughs> enormous spider plops out on the ground and then just walks away. Oh, no. And, oh, my gosh, I just felt sick. <sighs> oh, that's disgusting. <clears throat> it was one of those ones with a big, fat abdomen and yeah, yeah. massive spiky hairs, like a wolf spider or something. It was really? shocking. It was massive. Yeah. I thought, oh, there's a – and that was – I always check my boots, and that morning I didn't. I just grabbed them off the shoe rack outside, put them on, off I trotted. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Not just cool, man. On this solo hike just um, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I put my sock on and slept all night. But through the night, I started getting a really itchy toe. Like, you, you know, I just thought, oh, I've got an itchy toe. I'm scratching it. And I started to really scratch it. And then in the morning, it was swollen up. Oh. And um, I realised I'd been bitten by something. It's probably in the sock. Yeah, it could have been just a an ant or something, but it was really itchy. Wow. Yeah. Swollen and red for about three days. Yeah. Yeah. That, I remember when we went on the. Uh, <laughs> Not life threatening, but. Oh, it's still, you know, you don't need it. <laughs> no. Nobody wants it. Yeah. When we were on our um, our survival adventure thing. Yeah. I. <clears throat> hung up my long-sleeved shirt uh, just over a tree branch and I had a singlet on and I was just doing because it's pretty hot during the day. And then later on in the afternoon uh, was the last, it was either the last morning or the last evening. I thought I'll just put my shirt back on and I put it on and had a, um, one of those furry caterpillars. Oh, shit, yeah. was in the arm it had crawled into the arm hole. So as I've put it on, it's dragged it from my wrist all the way up to sort of my shoulder on that that sensitive inside part of my arm. On the trip that we went on? Yeah, yeah, and I remember kind of going, oh, what the heck, is something wrong, something wrong? And I took it off and flicked the shirt and sure enough, this massive hairy caterpillar comes flying out on the ground. 
but by that stage, not only was the inside of my arm highly irritated, but all of its little hairs were in the sleeve of the shirt. So I couldn't put the shirt back on. So that's why I hiked out just in a singlet that day. I don't remember that. Maybe if it didn't kill you, we didn't care at that stage. Yeah, that ca- <laughs> yeah we just ate the caterpillar and yeah. m- moved on. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not cool. So check your clothing, give it a good shake out and have a bit of a look around. Should we move on to shelter? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. I don't have too many things on shelter. It's not like I haven't made mistakes, but I will say uh, not practicing uh, putting whatever shelter system it is, hammock or tent or bivy, whatever it is, tarp system, whatever you're dealing with, not putting it up and down enough at home. Okay, yeah, uh, sure. Practicing. Sure. Just literally practicing. Put it up, check it out. Put it down. Same goes with uh, with your with your sleeping system, whatever you call that. If it's a inflatable mat, if it's a roller, whatever it is, mm. put that in your shelter as well. Make sure you know. Get in there, lay in it. All right, this would be better if it was the other way around, or this mat's actually too long for my shelter I'm, I'm gonna have to buy a shorter learn all those things before you get on the first night and roll up and discover that um you don't know where this extra pole goes or you don't have the connecting cable that joins the fly to this or whatever it is don't don't learn that on the trail learn it when you do it six times at home yeah that makes sense. you're also going to be more comfortable craig mentioned earlier that hike where we arrived to our campsite in the dark i mean the full dark the Simpson. Sure, yep. we've been rained on all day the temperatures were dropping dramatically we got into camp it was about 7 p.m something like that leeches we had leeches everywhere <laughs> leeches all over us craig had about 90 on his neck bleeding all over the place yeah yeah uh freezing cold, high winds on this ridge. And the one thing I was not concerned about was putting up my hammock in the dark with just a head torch. I had zero concerns because we'd done it so many times, so many times. I knew that thing like the back of my hand and I just went through the process, did it in arguably 10 to 15 minutes, had everything set up. Yeah. Then I um, then I had a dry base where I could put dry clothes and I got changed out of my wet clothes into my dry clothes and my bed was ready. Yeah. I had zero concerns, zero panic around, oh, no, I've only put up this hammock once. I don't know exactly how far the trees need to be apart. Yeah. Not you... sure how much do I tension this, what knot do I use, <clears throat> how high does this have to be, all those questions I'd ironed out. Yeah. Do you remember at Bethonga <clears throat> Bell that night when... Yeah. I was really upset because I wanted to, because uh, you were going to show me a new way to set up my hammock and I was like freaking out because the storm was coming. And I, I didn't enjoy that at all. I didn't enjoy the fact that I wasn't in control of how to set it up. Was, but it's only the next night that you told me that I didn't realize that night. That's right. Because the next day you said, I, I don't want to stay there. Oh, I don't want to hike too far today because I, I'm worried about setting up my 
um, hammock late in the afternoon. With these new straps that, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. we were going to use and there was like a, a pulley system we were using. And I think it's being able to just set it up like it's a drill, you know. You need to yeah. be able to do that. It takes a lot of the pressure off being able to just nail it and know that you can do it in the dark even is, is an, yeah. a real um, added bonus. It's a bonus because... It it's, uh, takes a heck of a lot of stress off if you can... Yep. Move into a campsite, pitch black, pop your head torch on. Yep. It, you know everything. Mm -hmm. You know what, which peg goes where, which rope goes where, and which knots to tie. And yeah, yeah. no matter what structure it is, we've put up. I've put up my tent in the pitch dark. Yeah, sure. Um, at uh, Mount Me one time, put it up pitch black. Just put it up um, in amongst some trees and just I just knew what I was looking for. We'd yep. do a lot of it by feel. It's I know big... how it's meant to sit, how yep. it's meant to look. And and also, every system, be it hammock or tent, we know how to adjust it for the circumstances. Right, let's mm -hmm. take hammocks, for example. <clears throat> Sometimes the trees are not far enough apart or too far apart and we know how to adjust things to still make it sleepable, safe, and uh, and dry, and all those things, we know we know how to slightly adjust things. And I've had to adjust. It was that same night I had my tent on the ground, and because there were so many trees so close together, I couldn't get one side out properly. So I ended up just basically putting the pole against a tree and just tethering it there, and still had a perfectly good sleeping arrangement yeah. because I was so used to modifying it. I was not panicking or worried or anything. I was just thinking, oh, yeah, well, how about we just modify this? So understanding your system and mucking yeah. around with it yeah. in different scenarios during the day in good weather where you can see, yeah. make your mistakes there and then improve on that. Yeah. I only had a really quick note to make <clears throat> that I have made a mistake I I'm on the record saying that hammocks are better than tents. All right? Hammocks are better than tents. Was that a mistake? That Is that was what you mistake. Said? That was a mistake. Oh yeah, no, I, I um <laughs> well, I was on the right side of the argument anyway, You were on the right so. side. So you you're you're pleased to hear this that uh, um, but my, I'm very happy with my new hammock. To be honest, I have an infinitely better sleep in that than I used to in my original hammock. Yeah, yeah. So I do in, I do have a good sleep in the hammock. Yeah. I'll just clarify quickly that I <laughs> we live in a really tropical climate. It's beautiful in summer to just um, swing in the hammock and also the types of places you can go and around here. It's, it's, it's a crazy option and I've really enjoyed hammocks. But I've recently got a nice, comfortable, sort of large tent for me that's lightweight and uh, it's a two-person that, um, oh, I've never had such a good sleep during the winter seasons here. I've been taking it out and just enjoying just the the peace that comes from just sleeping on the ground and just having a good sleeping system, which we could even talk about that we've developed, we've learned from some lessons of having these mummy sort of yeah sleeping bags to develop to moving into some more of a uh, quilting system yeah and yeah I, I just i really have have moved on a little bit from hammocks have their place 
And, man, I've had some great times in hammocks. Yeah. But the tents are, the tents are where it's at, especially in winter, there's no doubt. Yeah, you're absolutely, unless you're carrying around the bulk of an underquilt and stuff like that in in some um, some yeah. countries or some areas, yeah, colder climates, you, you're, you're going to get cold. Always, um, always did. <clears throat> the only reason I don't get cold anymore is, again, and I'll get on to sleeping gear next, but is that um, the high quality of and the high rating of my sleeping mat now. Yeah, right. So it's, I think it's rated four or something, mm-hmm. which is, <clears throat> means that you're not just sleeping on air, you're sleeping on a, a, a mattress that ha, it, that actually has some kind of insulation within it. Mm-hmm. Plus you've got the loft of the air. So I've found that I don't really get cold anymore in the hammock. No. I, Whereas I, I used to have a thinner, lower rated mat and I freeze to death underneath me during sure. the night. I was warm on top where the mm. where the sleeping bag was, but where everything was compressed against the hammock, I was freezing cold. Mate, I loved it in summer because <clears throat> um, I don't want a mat in a hammock. I just don't mm-hmm. at all. So I like to sleep just <clears throat> on the hammock. Un- under quilts, fine. I'll, I'll carry one of them. But, yeah, that's why I used to carry so many clothes because I used to sleep in like three layers of clothes yeah. inside a hammock. Um and it was nice, but no, there's nothing beats a winter's night in a tent. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I think. I've moved on. I'll, I'll, I'll still, I'll, you know, I'd still take a hammock out in winter. It would be a challenge. It would be. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take mine out to some cold places. I'd still keep taking that, but I I don't have a tent at the moment, so hmm. I don't have a choice. But When it comes to shelters, yes, I think, um, yeah, I've learned a few things. Um, there's. And also, um, I'm just going to say that one of the things that I've learned throughout all of these topics of things that we carry with us is balancing the the sort of weight to functionality ratio. I think we need oh, to... Weight to comfort as well. Weight to comfort because there was... <laughs> we started and we were just like, whatever we had, we'd just throw in our pack and a lot of it was... Well, we'd sleep. We'd, the first hike we were... Um, cutting grass, like dead grass, and piling it up, <laughs> and then put, and that was our bed. We did do something. And extreme. then putting our sleeping bag on that, and go, oh, this ain't, this ain't bad. Yeah. Oh, here's a rock for your pillow, or a log, or something. Yeah. I, that's that was fun, and I don't regret any of that. And I mean, some cool stories to tell my kids, but yeah, sure. Uh, sure, sure. It's a point that I make uh, in my, the first thing on my list of sleeping gear is thinking that I'll be able to rough it. And then I've got kind of in brackets, maybe five years ago, not anymore. Yeah. I've just, I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Because I've had some, for the sake of a little bit extra weight, I've had some exceptionally amazingly good sleeps in the wilderness mm-hmm. with the new sleep system that we use. So good that I then sleep better and I wake up so mm. much more refreshed without aching bones and a crook neck and all this sort of stuff. I yep. sleep like I'm floating on a cloud and I 
love. This is how good my, uh, and I'm speaking about the, if we're talking about sleeping gear. Um, so one more thing on shelters. Um, I've written here, thinking that a small slope isn't going to keep you from waking up 50 times in the night. Mm-hmm. I pitched <laughs> my tent on what I thought was a gradual slope. All night I was sliding down yeah, yeah, diagonally yeah, yeah. sideways and I'd have to correct it, correct it, correct it, and it drives you insane. Yeah. If you can't avoid it, I understand. We, we've all had to do it. But if you can take two minutes to find a flatter spot, just do it. On that note, I'll continue. Well, Craig and I both use the Zen boobies now. And uh, I think the Zen boobie is, it flips the, it flips it on the head, the whole sleep system on the head in that, to try and explain it really quickly, instead of you having a sleeping mat and then putting your sleeping bag on the sleeping mat and then putting your pillow on the sleeping mat and then getting in your sleeping bag. Instead of that, the uh, sleeping quilt, I guess, attaches to the mat and the pillow tucks in the hood of the sleeping bag so it doesn't go flying off, falling off the back 50 times during the night. And because the quilt's attached to the mat, when you turn, so when you spin, roll over in the night, the entire sleeping bag doesn't roll over. That's right. It stays there like the quilt does on your bed. Yeah. Which when you think about it, that's why you love sleeping in your bed so much because you don't get tangled up. Yep. So that's that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I can certainly put a video in the show notes uh, that explains the the Zen Bivy, and um, I, I hand on heart, I can say it's the best sleep I've had. Uh, the point I was getting to earlier uh, was this is how good, this is how much I like the Zen Bivy. Is I take that to places when I don't need to. Yeah, right. So yeah. even if I don't take the mattress, I'll still take the quilt to sleep in my caravan yeah. or in my rooftop tent or at my mate's cabin because I love that so much and I like the pillow so much. I take it when I don't need to take it because it's so comfortable and it works in my hammock well because, again... Everything's attached to the bed. So when you're moving around in the night, you're not uh, in a sleeping bag sliding all over and sliding off the mat, which comes up beside you, and then the pillow falls off the back and you end up sleeping off your mattress in the freezing cold. Like that doesn't happen anymore in my hammock. So I know that a lot of people will, say they've got their systems and that that's great if you've got something that works for you. Uh, I've just tried, you know, you alluded to it earlier, I've tried the mummy sleeping bags and I thought they were good for the weight and definitely warm. I've got a high loft uh, feather duck down bag which feels so comfortable and everything but 
the zip only comes down to the hip. So mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to get in, especially in the hammock. And mm. then when you're rolling around in the night, mm. one thing I noticed with that as well was when I was in Tasmania, I had that the first time. And when I'd bend, so I'd sleep on my side and bend, pull my legs up and bend my knees, the mummy sleeping bag was, you know, pretty snug. Yeah. It would flatten the loft on my knees which means there would be no loft, which means there's no heat retention, which means that in about 30 minutes time, I'd wake up and my knees would be freezing cold. Mm. So then I'd have to straighten my legs again so that the down would um, get its loft back and my knees would warm up. Mm. So these things were waking me up in the night. I sound like an old man. I am an old man. I don't care. The quality of sleep you get out there enhances the entire trip. That's that's mindset. And what I was alluding to before is that I think the mindset has changed. And so mistakes I've made may come into how my mindset has changed because initially I didn't think it mattered what I carried in my pack and I'd carry anything. And then I realized, holy moly, this is too much to carry. This is big. So then your mindset shifts to, okay, everything has to be lightweight. It has to be um, functional but light as possible. This is an incredible loop that you're creating here. Like you're saying that, and sorry to jump in. Yeah. You're saying that you're starting, for example, with me, starting with an ill-fitting pack, Yeah. hurting my shoulders, Mate, I'm assessing thinking... my sleeping gear and saying it needs to be lighter because... Yeah. It's the sleeping the, the gear. It's the sleeping gear's fault that the pack's hurting. Yeah, right. So everything's wrong. So you start to go. All right, the mindset changes to everything has to be lighter. Everything has to be lighter. Is, perhaps which, is one of the mindsets. Which costs three times as much. Which carried on for a long time with me, and so I got into the lightweight um, options and started shaving everything off everything, and getting. I tell you what, some mistakes there because I didn't like sleeping in a, a, a mummy um, sleeping bag. I didn't like some of the, the packs that they, they offer that are so lightweight. Um, some of the, I think what I was getting at is the, the tent that I've got that's called a tarp tent that's um, only weighs 700 grams, but you've got to use uh, like hiking sticks to, to, yep. to stake it. And then it's really small. There's That's the same one I had, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's it's very lightweight. It's fun. It 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 fits that. And you, yeah, and it's you, the you best can for that. sit up. It is. It's called notch, and you can sit up in it. It's great for that. Like that's what it's for. But you know what? I absolutely love my two man tent that oh, I've got now. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm not buying a a one man tent. It's I, I so will get a better. new tent next year. And it will not be a one-man tent. It'll be a 1.5 to 2. My mindset has changed. It's no longer about, you know, it's, it's all about being functional out there and enjoying the the comfort of things and having a good time out there. I think... You spend more time out... Well, not more. That's probably an exaggeration. You spend as much time out there sleeping as mm. you do... Sleep, sleep systems. Hiking, right? So you want to have a 10 to 12 hour horrific sleep to wake up the next day and already be set off on the bad foot. Sleep systems are a perfect example, but so is is food and cooking and being able to take something that's a little bit more pleasurable. It weighs a bit more, but you can now 
get a little bit more out of that. So I think that the mindset has shifted in. I see, I see three yeah. steps. And, that's, um, that's where I went. As soon as I improved my pack, mm. then, and I bought a very large pack, and I now this one I've got is even bigger. Yep. It's huge. Yep. But the thing with the big pack is if you don't use the space, you just cinch it down. Yeah. So it's not as if, oh, you now you're carrying so much extra weight. Yeah. It's not. It's a, it's an ultralight frame and uh, I'll just yeah. put as much stuff in as I need. But yeah. because we often carry photography equipment, video equipment, uh, the only reason I was ever ultralight was so that I could carry camera gear and not break myself. Yeah. But now that I've I've the last two packs I've had are built for carrying loads. Yeah. Then I carry comfortable gear and I train harder. Yeah. To carry more weight yep. to enhance my time. I'm physically fitter. Yeah. So I enjoy the hiking more because I'm not killing myself. I can handle the extra weight because I've got a better pack that sits better on my body has more physical room and can carry more weight so I can take the extra few hundred mm. grams in my sleep system. I can take a frozen steak yeah. in my pack. I can take a little pan yep. to cook the frozen Which steak I, I that I normally wouldn't. recent trip. I think all of this final frontier is very debatable and it depends on how you do those trade-offs. And Not exactly. Uh, people, people are going to argue black and blue you guys and say, are carrying a, your packs are so guys, heavy you, know, you know you idiots you just sling a but if, plastic bag over your shoulder that's my hiking pack yeah with a towel in it that's compared my to what we used to carry our packs a lot but i'm sure there are guys carrying you know 10 kilos on their back instead of 15 and and that makes a big difference for them they prefer that that's how they can you know get to better places or it, um, it depends where you live too like if, if we lived in new zealand i'd I'd be much more inclined to explore the whole sort of sleeping on a tarp thing. They don't have snakes. They don't have deadly spiders. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we do. And yeah. I don't I don't like sleeping with deadly snakes. <laughs> no. I don't know if I've ever told you that. It's, it's like it's <laughs> it's a, a fun fact. Yeah. That uh, I've never said to you, I don't like sleeping with deadly, sna deadly snakes. That's why I like tents. Yeah. That's why I like even more, I like hammocks <laughs> when we're in rainforest environments. Yeah, they do. And you've got one and a half inch long ants that jump yeah. and actually target you to bite you. Mm. And they absolutely are agonizing. I've been hit by them a few times. Yeah. That's when I like sleeping in my hammock. And there have been occasions where I've been woke up in the morning and seen one of those massive ants walking across the um, the screen, mm. one foot from my head, just walking along, and I can just flick it off from the inside. Yeah. Right. And think, wow, I'm glad I wasn't sleeping on the ground yeah. with a tarp over me. But everything's you're right, man. Everything's everything's trade off. It's what you, you trade off your comfort, yeah, or how much food you do or don't want to take. Yeah, yeah. You, that's might, it. you might, and that's it. You, the the right. the pendulum swings in every direction it for does. every topic. Oh, I I just wear um, I just wear ultralight shoes 
that's where I save my weight because I don't care because my feet don't get sore. Great. Yep. Good. Yep. Excellent. And we've all read the forums. We've all read the the comments on on, on certain topics and, and questions on Facebook and you go, wow, that, that guy's got a point. That's that, or that person's got a point. That's their... That's that's where they stand on it, and you know what? It's horses for courses. I wanted to I wanted to um, mention that tonight. That you know, this is just our opinion. This is what we've learned. That's this what, is our mistakes. That's this exactly right. Our challenge, our journeys. You know, you'll be in a different position, different spot, different mindset right now in what you're doing. Mm. What are the topics have we got, man? I would. That's about well, it. Hang on, we haven't up. talked about safety. Have no, we? no. Well, I'll wrap up sleeping gear by saying, and it, it folds into what I was saying earlier about um, about roughing it, is mm. the, uh, I've used shorter sleeping, so I'm six foot two plus. Oh, I I've used one. shorter sleeping pads before, saved right. weight and yep. space. Yep. Yep. And literally from my knees down hangs... Uh, is on the ground. And I know some people put their pack down there, but they empty the contents to do that. And, or other things, oh no, I use my rain jacket and put it out. Okay, great. Everyone's got solutions and and there's valid ones. Yeah. For me, when I switched up to a full length pad, life just got infinitely better to have my whole body elevated uh, and have that loft underneath especially in on the ground to, to generate the warmth. Yeah, you almost can't believe we did that, getting those three-quarter length pads, but we did because we thought... Every, know, everything was safe weight, safe 200 space. 200 grams. Safe space. It's a difference, and space. And, and it goes for the old roll up your jacket as a pillow. I've tried that. I've tried uh, a beautiful soft fleece, uh, yep. I don't know what you call it, sweater, jumper, whatever. Yeah folded nicely and then within an hour it feels like rock hard <laughs> and your ears going to sleep and it's squashed down yeah people do it I, I still see on all the time on facebook oh i just roll up a jacket and i put it in uh a, a dry bag and I just half fill it with air. All oh, right, yeah. I, or, I, or I half fill a dry bag, so it's the other way around. I half fill a dry bag with air yeah, yeah. and then I wrap my oh, fleece right. jacket around that. Yeah. I've done that and, and it, it kind of is is okay. Uh, but I've also done <laughs> that and I've had the air slowly leak out the whole night. Uh, so I've basically don't have a pillow in the morning mm-hmm. uh, or the jacket comes off the driver. There's just, man, I just, now I've got a pillow that's designed to be a pillow with a beautiful soft top and it slips into the hood of my sleeping bag and yeah. doesn't fly around all day and it probably weighs, I don't know, what would that, like oh, 50 grams, 100 grams? Less. I don't know. It's like inflatable nothingness. Yeah, it, so. it is inflatable. So I'm not saying that I don't like, but it's made of a, more like a rubberized plastic, so it doesn't make that horrific sound. Oh, that's so important. On your ears. Yeah, yeah. It's not like sleeping on an inflated plastic bag all night. Absolutely. And anything that you have to sleep in, make sure it's quiet. I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> yes. Don't these puffer jackets that are that are so noisy, they're just not good for in the tents and yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. Dude. That's why I like just wearing the merino wool, just silent. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, safety was a, a real quick one, quick topic for me, Craig, and that was basically just we've already touched on changing the routes during the hike. Uh, my other one was not always carrying a snake bandage. I have misplaced my snake bandage, not not lost. I just moved it somewhere else, so I don't. Mate, I'll sort you out. You need one. Yeah, yeah. You gave me my last one, and like I said, I haven't lost it. It's just somewhere within my hiking gear, and I don't know where. Yeah. It it might be in my car, you know, but it, either way, I've gone hiking without it, and I think every time that that's just such a simple thing. Why am I doing that? Yeah. Uh, did you have anything on safety? Because I'm. I'm going to wrap this up with... Uh... Um, no, just basically that there's a lot of technology now involved with um, with safety and I think that's a great thing. It's really been amazing how that's uh, developed. But just be just be aware that... And I, I used to almost laugh at the idea that, oh, that stuff can fail and you need to um, carry a map or a real map, you know, like a paper mm. map, etc. And that's not my point. My point is that you know, if if something goes wrong, um, you still need to have studied your map. You need to have some yeah. second. You need to yeah, have you a might backup. Not, you might not. You're not saying you need to take a paper map on every single hike. You're saying if you've planned and studied mm. your route and mm. the terrain enough, you'll yep. know that if your phone, this is if where you I, have a Zen moment, and this you're is where I was going to mention the dragonfly, and you smash, the smash your phone, green. Um, because you, you know roughly, okay. Well, that's the way back to the car. Or yeah, if I drop down to this creek, I can go along until I find X, and then I yeah. know that landmark. Like, just have a general awareness. Yeah, uh, I had I had alternatives because I had um, the Garmin in reach as well, and some other ways I could. But I really did depend on my my phone screen. It still worked. Well, it was okay. But like, mm. what if like I had three? I had. So I had battery power to last me for weeks. I wasn't worried about that, but the screen can break <laughs> and all of a sudden break. you're in big trouble. Well, yeah, because one of my points in, you know, speaking of electronic equipment is being complacent around water. I, when I'm canoeing, I pack every single item like I'm going to tip my canoe. Yep. Like that's my mindset. I pack every single item. Yeah. Like I'm going to, the t canoe's going to tip over in the first five minutes. What would happen? What would get wet? What would I lose? So I pack it with that mindset in dry bags and drums and everything. I now have that mindset with my hiking gear. What would happen if my, my gear was completely submerged? And it's happened to me. Mm. I, took a bad footing walking up a creek um put my hiking pole down went to take the next step hiking pole slipped my other ankle got caught long story short completely submerged oh that's when you broke I was the probably stuff, yeah, yeah i was probably over waist i was probably waist deep and fell over and completely went under everything everything and 
It was mm. freezing cold, so I came up kind of gasping for air. Uh, I had a top loader camera case with the DSLR in it, and as I stood up, it basically just acted as a big scoop, so it <laughs> scooped water, and luckily I had a very long lens on there, and the whole lens was sitting in water. Yeah. But it held the camera body out of water, so I was able to pull the camera out, take the lens off, pack the camera away dry, mm. but the lens was a write-off. And for the first time ever on that trip, I used my phone for something and just put it in the top of my pack, not right. in a dry bag, not in a Ziploc bag, not in a plastic sleeve, nothing. Yeah. And I ruined my first phone by submerging it because yeah. I didn't think... I thought, yeah, I might fall over, but I'm not. My whole pack's not going to go underwater, is it? That's ludicrous. Well, it did. Mm. The whole thing got soaked. Nothing else got damaged. All of my clothing and gear were in separate dry bags. Nothing got wet. But the phone, I was too lazy to put in a dry bag, mm -hmm. and the camera case, I was too lazy to zip up in between photographs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, big lesson in that. Yeah, Just, bad luck, but I, of course. Now I use, this is funny, people laugh at this, I use a, zip, a cheap Ziploc bag, fits my phone perfectly. Yeah. You can even go the expensive ones, which are the double Ziploc bags. Yeah. Get you a good brand. And uh, you can still use your phone through the bag. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You can still use your thumbprint to open it, all the everything. It's fine. Straight through the plastic. It costs, what, two cents or something? Do you think it would have saved me in my Zen moment, though? No. Um, no. I don't no, think it would have saved no, a break because no. it was smashed, not water. Yeah. Oh, man, life's full of bad luck and you've got to be... Or is <laughs> it? Or is it? <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's, always, there's always moments like that and you, you learn from them. You learn from them. Um, some people have already probably experienced this uh, stuff as well, man. And they're going, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I didn't didn't dry bag my stuff. And, you know, here I am now mm. crying about it. Yeah. But, yeah um, it's good for hope... them to hear someone, some other idiot's done it. <laughs> done it too. Yeah. I'd say if, you want, if I wanted to close this podcast and talk about Again, we're on the topic of mistakes. I'd say I've rushed hikes in the past. That is not really panicked about not wanting to get to a campsite late and blasted through the most spectacular terrain of my life sure. only to get to the campsite at 2.30 yeah, in the well afternoon. Said. Well said, yeah. Yep. And, and and I literally got there and thought I could have sat down and made a coffee and sat for an hour and watched the clouds sweep over the mountains Yes. and still got here in time to set up my tent. So true. Now that goes against what we were saying earlier about leave time, but it's just... <laughs> it's been seen as a mistake a few times, right? I've, I've rushed it and... and, it, and 
Yeah, it definitely. If you're on a well-graded trail yeah. and you know the distance and you know the terrain, then then take, time. take your time. That's what stop. you're there for. Yeah. It's not always about the destination with hiking. It's about what happened between when you left the trailhead and got to the campsite. That's essentially what you're there for, isn't it? You're not mm-hmm. trying to get to the campsite. Not unless the campsite's got free beer and <laughs> massage tables or something. Maybe it is about getting to the campsite. So that, so that folds into appreciating everything and sometimes that's appreciating the mistakes you made or rather accepting those, acknowledging those and trying to improve on those because it does not happen overnight. You, you constantly are adjusting gear and like we're talking about you're telling me now after all this time you're just saying earlier tonight that you carried you took too many clothes on your last hike still still i took too much food on my last hike yep. still mm-hmm. i took camera gear that i didn't even get out yes right and yep. that's weight and that's just so it's not don't expect Perfection. You still. If you're striving for perfection, I think you're gonna. You're gonna. First of all, I think you're gonna struggle with hiking, or outdoor pursuits in general, because you're this expectation of the perfect hike, with the perfect meals, with the perfect sleep, and the perfect weather, and the perfect campsite. That's not what it's like. You got to embrace the good, the bad, good weather, bad weather, embrace the... That's why it was all so wild at the start for us, man. It was just crazy. <laughs> wild, and I don't remember complaining about it. No, no, and, and we've got some of our act together, and it doesn't mean, it. you know, it. it's not perfect. It's never going to be that. No. It's more but, about... And I don't care. No, no. And the mindset I'm at the moment is, yeah, it's more about enjoying the experience rather than just and therefore perhaps having a little bit more weight a little bit more comfort comfort factor as well mm. loving that yeah i definitely i i definitely carry more weight now but i have an infinitely better time yeah and i train harder to compensate for the weight and i've got a pack that i mean i'm repeating myself that carries more weight yeah Distributes yeah. it better on my body, so I don't notice don't feel it. it. Yeah. Put it this way: I could get my original pack out, put the same weight in it, and it would be horrible. And and you could do a blind test on me and say, put which which pack was heavier, and I'd say, oh, definitely that. And you say, no, you idiot. They're both exactly got the same weight in them. Yeah. It's because one is so uncomfortable and distributed incorrectly on your body that. It's a bad experience. Mm, totally. That's about it. The only other thing on on general hiking is uh, is um, and you touched on it earlier when you're talking about your solo hike is don't don't think that you have to be busy the entire hike. Don't mm. maybe, well, maybe that's what you like. Okay, so I'm not saying don't. Maybe you like being busy because you get to your campsite and you're busy doing photography or writing in your journal and you like to stay busy, that that's okay. I guess my point is sometimes it's okay to sit and enjoy 
sit there with your cup of coffee or sit there with your hydro hydrolyte drink or whatever <laughs> and watch the sun go down or something like have time to be in the wilderness without having something to do uh, that may come with age i don't know there might be people that argue that all day but the the more time i spend outdoors the more time i want to be there observing it yeah. rather than traveling through it too fast or going about all my chores to quickly get to bed to get up early the next day because i've scheduled in too much hiking you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely that's, and and that's going to be a point like the ultralight kind of conversation where that spans greatly between hikers because it's what you want to get out of the experience and i'm not saying anything against people who want to hike faster or slower no, i'm just mate, saying please guys don't let any of this seem like we're preaching what you guys should do this is about us sitting back and just kind of reminiscing on what we've been through the sort of stuff that we've learned from and where we're at at the moment Honestly, everyone's um, going to have differing opinions, differing gear that they use, and um, it's all relevant. Yeah, it's it's. I'm basically talking about the hikes that I've enjoyed the most. Sure. And the adjustments I made to, you know, if I think about the best sleep I ever had. Oh yeah. What did I do on that night? Well, right, I've think just of it now. I've just told you. Yeah. So um, that's creepy that you know the best sleep I've ever had. <laughs> Not that you know. Um, yeah, that's um... creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and that you're thinking about it in, yeah. in that tone of voice. It was good. It was good. Oh, yeah. He was just watching me <laughs> sleep the whole night. <laughs> oh, oh we have to terrible. wrap this up because of that. Craig, you've ruined the vibe. Everyone's just got all weirded out. <laughs> awesome. Oh, start playing the music or whatever you're doing. <laughs> Guys, thank you for, I, just, I really do, out of all the episodes we've ever done, I really do hope that we've touched on some points that you think, wow, that is a different way of approaching it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is the most idiotic thing that they did. Only a fool would do that and mm -hmm. don't worry, I'd never do that because I'm not as stupid as those guys. That's fine. Whatever it is, I really do hope that, there's things that can help you improve your hiking experience, not just gear, not just sleep, not just food. Everything is the, is the entire experience. And if you've done a bit of hiking, you know how everything feeds in. You can have all the perfect gear, but if, you've, if you're getting a blister on your foot, it's amazing how that hike turns into the hike from hell yeah totally so it all has to work in unison and yeah let's hope you got something out of it let us know if <laughs> that's what i want to see i want people to write in and tell me their biggest mistakes so that next episode i can read some out okay cool let's that'd do it. be funny yeah we already totally. get people sending us stuff saying what was that the last guy in the last episode um got chopped out of a blizzard in Tasmania. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, biggest um, mistake. Yeah, yeah, tell us that. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> We're not the only ones. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a fantastic year. Craig and I have 
uh, we, we've had so many other commitments this year and we've done our best to bring you what we could. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for all the support. I hope that this, uh, whatever shape this festive season or holiday season is for you, I hope you're out there spending some time outdoors or time with family or whatever makes you happy. And again, I, I can't, uh, I can't repeat enough how much it means to Craig and I to have your support and your ears um, for us to, I was going to say dribble into, but that sounds <laughs> kind of like as creepy as your earlier comment oh. for us to talk uh, into. Absolutely. Dulcet tones. Yes. No. End of the year. Hope you guys have a great festive season. And um, yeah, we're all looking forward to a new year over here. So I hope you are too. And um, yeah, thanks for sticking in and hanging out and listening to us. Cool. Thanks, Craig, for all your help this year, mate. It's been a cracker. You too, Tom. uh, No problem. We'll see you guys next year. Take it easy. Much love. Catch you later. See ya. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.